Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network. I'm Dr. Ben Waterworth, broadcasting live from Sydney. Tonight, we'll talk about Sleepless in Seattle. What's your thoughts on this movie? Well, we're about to find out. Hi. I I felt like being a radio host again. It's been a while. Um, It's the Oz Network. Hello, everyone. We're here to continue Romantic Comedy Month. And that's as funny as we're going to get this episode, because this is, again, the Oz Network. And if you don't know this show then you don't know anything else that comes from this uh we are here to talk about the 1993 movie sleepless in seattle which is a bit of a cock tease because there's no i mean there's a bit of sleeplessness in it there's a bit of seattle in it um (laughs) i want more but they are definitely in I, I, I want more people not sleeping and I want more Seattle in this movie. <laughs> Bin, I don't like it. Um, starring Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Rosie O'Donnell, David Hyde Pierce, Bill Pullman, the kid from Sudden Death, the kid from Volcano, <laughs> Victor Garber, Rita Wilson. Throw a stone and there's a star in this movie. So literally at the beginning you see all the stars like popping up when the stars are coming up. So... Very well done, but uh, I'm I'm very intrigued to talk about this one with Colin as we continue a month that we're not meant to do, but we're doing it because it's apparently enjoyable. Uh, my name is Ben, and I had an opening line, and it's gone, so I'm just going to say that I'm allergic to bees. Uh, my name is Colin, and I cried at the end of the Dirty Dozen. Oh, I thought- Jim Brown throwing those hand grenades down the air shaft. Sitting in the armored personnel carrier dressed like Nazis, busted his neck while they're parachuting down the Nazi lines. <laughs> oh, God, I love that movie. Sorry, I interrupted you. I thought that's where you were going to end it. I thought you were going to go with the butt line. That's why I didn't use that one. Um, oh, I found my wow. line. Oh, can I do oh, that again? Oh, listen, take two, take two. Uh, no, 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 we're here to two. Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, is this not the one that I just opened with? No, it isn't. And my name is Ben, and if you've just tuned in, tonight's topic is Sleepless in Seattle, and we have a listener from Seattle. Colin, this is Dr. Waterworth on Network. Oh, that was the same as I did. No, no. And, and my name is Colin, and how's my butt? Uh, is it cute? Uh, it is, Colin. You have a very nice butt. You know what I forgot to mention last week? Richard Gere has a really nice ass. <laughs> There's like a Still moment when he gear. walks into the room and you just see like his butt in his pants. And I was like, damn, that's like Daniel Craig levels of goodness. Like just, I forgot to mention, it's been bugging me all week. Richard Gere's <laughs> ass. Um, but also speaking of Richard Gere's ass, it's Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I'd never seen this movie until about two hours ago. Um, and I'll start off by saying I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. 
Um, I definitely will have a lot more to nitpick about this movie than I did with Pretty Woman. But I also just want to say I really enjoyed when You've Got Mail remade Sleepless in Seattle because You've Got Mail is Sleepless in Seattle but with a bit more character development and the characters actually talk before they meet. Is this not You've Got Mail? Like, this is literally the yeah. same movie. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Um, I will say it right now. You've Got Mail's better. But um, I was watching this movie going, this is You've Got Mail. <laughs> this is the same movie. I don't know if Runaway Bride, maybe we should be doing that. Maybe that is just literally. Let's not. Pre- I watched it the other night. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not good. <laughs> All right. So it's not Pretty Woman too. Um, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this is literally You've Got Mail. But yeah, this is, I mean, this is an enjoyable movie. But uh, I will have some Ben Waterworth style plot points to pick apart because there are maybe some horrible things that people do in this movie that is considered romantic. But at the same time, it's enjoyable. It's got a great cast and a great soundtrack and a great set of locations. I mean, this should be sleepless across America. We're in like five (laughs) different cities in this movie. Um, Colin, sleepless in Seattle. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not the first person to draw those comparisons because I remember when You've Got Mail came out, a lot of people were saying, it's like, oh, they basically are redoing uh, Sleepless in Seattle. But, uh, I mean, you're right, there's more character development than that. You're right, I personally prefer You've Got Mail over this. Yay. But um, this movie, I, I, I wouldn't have seen it when it first came out. Yeah, I don't think I was right age range for that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, having seen Big when I was a kid, loving that, and then seeing Forrest Gump as I got a little bit older, uh, basically grew up just watching any Tom Hanks movie that existed. And it, probably before, I don't know if it was before or after You've Got Mail, where I checked out Sleepless in Seattle, and it was a movie that we watched quite a bit. But it's a movie I always forgot about. Uh, not that Forgot existed, but I wouldn't go back and watch it over and over again like I did You've Got Mail. Uh, but every time I do watch this movie, like I'm impressed more and more. So I'm maybe this is something that has to grow on you a little bit more because it was only about a year ago where Jamie and I one night were like, oh, let's watch Sleep in Seattle. I'm like, yeah, that was really good. And then I mentioned last week I'd already started this uh, when we were doing Pretty Woman. And like there's there's things about this movie that just absolutely blow me away. Like mm. like the script for this movie how this didn't win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Like I am I, I have not seen The Piano, which beat it. But the script for this is amazing. And Tom Hanks' performance, like, had this not been the same year as Philadelphia, this could have been the movie that won him the Oscar. I mean, he, he is so good in this. Meg Ryan's, you know, good too, but he's amazing in this movie. Like, the, the movie just has, like, this, it has this sadness to it, but, like, this innocence. And it is totally done in the style of a classic movie. I mean, along with Pretty Woman, we're, we're going to be having a trend here for uh, at least the first three weeks, because we're going to get into it next and week as well. Again. But well, I'm I'm just speaking about movies that are inspired by classic movies. I mean, Pretty oh. Woman had well, said we're going gonna... to. Sorry to interrupt, but I know I'm pretty sure that's based on like something. Um, we can rename this month if uh, it is by the end of it, because uh, w- with Pretty Woman they had taken elements of My Fair Lady. We mentioned uh, with this one, it's at the next level where they are basically building a movie around the fascination of this classic movie and affair to remember, which. The two, this is not a remake. It's just that they're kind of inspired by it and addressing that in the movie. I know Jamie's a fan of Affair to Remember and she uh, she owns that. But uh, next week we're going to get into it where, again, it's 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 very, very loosely based on a classic movie. But like this just fits as like a classic movie to me. And uh, I think it was even last year when Jamie and I watched it, she even said, you know, it would be fun to watch this movie and just change the color on your TV to be all black and white and just convince yourself you watch a classic movie. Because outside of maybe a reference to Fatal Attraction, 
Mm. This could have been a movie from like the the 50s or, or you know very latest early 60s and you would have bought it. Like I I absolutely love this movie. I I, I may get defensive at some of the criticism. Well, no, you no, have. no, no, like no, it's it's okay. Let me just uh, before I forget, we can get to your point. Um Notting Hill I mean, it's kind of two and a, one and a half things based on it. It's based on Richard Curtis's had a real life friend who fell like and got with a very famous person, but they, he would never name who that was. And it's sort of been compared to Roman Holiday, like a 90s version oh, of Roman yeah. Holiday. But even though Richard Curtis is like, oh, I've never seen that movie. So I knew there was like comparisons, but I, I remember that story that Richard Curtis, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. I knew it was based on something. Um, I, I'm not, criti- like, I won't criticize the movie, like the movie, I saw Austin Powers. It's more like, it's going to be a weird level because it's like, it's, it's kind of like how like in Titanic when it's like, okay, Billy Zane is not a horrible person. Rose is a horrible person. It's like Maid of Honor. Like I brought that up. Like if you analyze it, they're horrible people. I'll just say it right now. Meg Ryan is cheating on Bill Pullman and Bill Pullman is the nicest man on the planet. But like the thing that I will sort of co-defend my criticism is that I see, I can understand the, the, the woman who did this movie, Nora Ephron, Ephron, get, yeah. gets love. She gets, and you're going to struggle with some of the things I'm going to say in this episode, Colin. Because, <laughs> but like in all seriousness, like it's it's going to come from a place where like I get the level of badness that Meg Ryan does, if that makes sense. And I actually, I, I it's probably a dumb thing to say. I didn't actually realize Nora Ephron does. You've got mail, so there's yeah. a reason why you've got mail is sleepless in Seattle because it's the same person. Um, and rest in peace, Nora Ephron, by the way. And rest in peace to the lead singer of Smash Mouth, who's probably dead by the time we release this. Did you hear about this? Was he dead? No. So, uh, breaking news in the office today. <laughs> breaking news. I mean, again, we're, re- we're recording this a week and a half, so I'm assuming he's going to be dead by the time this episode comes out, because he's in hospice care. So, like, breaking news in the office today, somebody comes in and is like, oh, the lead singer of Smash Mouth is about to die. And it's like, what? It's like, yeah, he's like got liver failure, and he's in, like, hospice, and he's on his last legs. So um, Jimmy Buffett died a couple of days ago at the time of recording. It's bugger him, not the lead singer of Smash Mouth. <laughs> no one's going to be sad. We'll check it. Happy birthday, Noah. We'll check it on him because of Shrek. Um, anyway, what I'm trying to say, um, I'd never seen Slippers in Seattle. The, the two things, I, I always, for some reason, I think I mentioned this when we started this month or when, at the end of last month, I always think this and When Harry Met Sally are the same movie. I don't know why. I always assume <laughs> this is the one with the woman going, oh, I'll have what she's having. Um, It'd be Nora Ephron. Yeah, well, she's a writer of When Harry yeah. Met Sarah, as I'm seeing here. Um, and I also always then think that this was the one released in the 80s and When Harry Met Sally was released in the 90s. I always think this movie is older than it is. I always think this is like an 80s movie for some reason. Kind of feels like a, a, an older movie too. Like you just said that. Like yeah. it's sort of, it, it's got that, that vibe about it. But I, I don't, I kind of just want to probably play that standard I'm a man, I don't watch romantic comedy, you know, card. In all fairness, this wasn't the type of movie that Dad and I sat down and watched. We've talked a lot about this over the years, that a lot of our film choices and what we're into is based on what we grew up when you're generally, for boys, and not to stereotype, but most of the time, you would watch films with your dad and you wouldn't really watch films that your mum would watch, if you know what I mean. I have some exceptions, but like... I was watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I was watching James Bond movies. You know, I wasn't watching this type of movie. So that's, I think, the only reason why I would have never seen this. I don't really remember my background of seeing You've Got Mail when we talk about that next week. Um, so I don't know if by the time I saw You've Got Mail, I was like, hey, I need to watch other romantic comedies, if you know what I mean. So it was just one of these ones that I think over the years I knew existed. But as I'm discovering, because these are the two movies that we're getting over and done with that I'd never seen before, 
I do like romantic comedies and it's, it's as we'll discover in the next two weeks, I love those two films. And maybe like I just got a bit judgmental over classics that I used to sell at Sanity or hear about because Dirty Dancing didn't live up to this reputation that I've always heard. Ghost was fine. Uh, you know, it's kind of like maybe one of these ones that it's just sort of like, okay, like I these are going to be crap. Because I said that last week. I kind of thought Pretty Woman was going to be crap. I didn't expect to like it. Didn't really expect to like this. But I did. So that was a big ramble. But the point is, maybe there are some other classic romantic comedies. Maybe I need to see When Harry Met Sally. I don't know. I don't think you've seen that either, have you? No. No, I haven't. Uh, but, I, but it's interesting because uh, your, your your main complaint, I'm 100% with you. That's the number one thing that sets me off in all of these movies. And uh, Runaway Bride, it, it was it was literally after we finished recording, I went upstairs and I told Jamie, I'm like, yeah, you know, Ben said that he also hasn't seen Runaway Bride. And Jamie's like, oh, we should totally watch it. So we watched it. And then halfway through the movie, Jamie's like, oh, you remember this part, right? I'm like, no, remember how this started when I said Ben and I had never seen <laughs> Runaway Bride. And then before the end of the movie, she's like, wait, you've seen this movie before, right? I'm like, no, remember. Colin, <laughs> I have not seen I'm it. Colin. <laughs> but, but like similar to like how uh, we get Sleepless in Seattle to You've Got Mail with the same cast, the same director. Uh, we also have um, the uh, the Runaway Bride, which was Gary Marshall again directing. And big thing I was surprised that Hector Elizondo also in Runaway oh. Bride, and Larry Miller also oh. in Runaway Bride. Rupert Everett also in that, Re- isn't he as well? No, that's uh, my best friend's wedding. But Rita Wilson also in Runaway Bride. So, so I get she's- confused. That's when Harry met Sally and Sleepers in Seattle. It's my best friend's wedding, and yeah, because. Cameron Diaz is yeah. in one, and then you had to say a little prayer for you. That's my best friend's wedding. That was, okay. yeah, right. best friend's wedding, yeah. The better movie. But Runaway Bride, to me, was like, okay, there's good things about it. Like, they, they kind of did a fun thing where they swapped the characters, where Richard Gere was the one who was, you know, much more the free spirit and the one that would charm anybody in about 10 seconds, and Julia Roberts was the more uptight one. But it just, it went to all those areas that, that we said in Pretty Woman, uh, romantic comedies all got wrong, you know? particularly why you always have to create this drama where you're with another person, but you choose this person in the end because it just makes them unlikable. Now, having said that, we're going to get the same thing next week in You've Got Mail. And even though I'm a bigger fan of You've Got Mail, I feel like this movie handles it slightly better. Uh, It is something where you still spend a lot of the movie trying to get over and you're like, but she's with this guy and there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. But the way that they handle it in this, there's there's one thing in particular that I feel like kind of saves this. Whereas normally in any movie like this, the second that they have another relationship that they have to break up with somebody for, I'm like, I hate this movie. Yeah, you're right. But I think like, I think, and you you, you touched on something there with You've Got Mail. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I think You've Got Mail makes Greg Kinnear and the other woman that Tom Hanks is with more unlikable. Whereas I don't well, think they I, do I, enough I to make Bill Pullman unlikable. <laughs> no, they, I, I don't think they make Greg Kinnear unlikable at all. Doesn't he change uh, on Meg Ryan, it, doesn't he? No, I, he, he, he basically does. does the same. He does the same thing that she's doing in that movie. That's where they kind of excuse it. Cause I think he, he ends up being like, Oh, I found somebody else that I'm interested in, you know? Uh, but, uh, but, but with, with Bill Pullman here, like it, it, when we get to the scene, I'll get more of an explanation behind it. But, uh, but I, I think that what really saves this movie is the innocence of it mm. because I, I don't know, it was rated PG or whatever, but you know, classic movies, there was no, there was no rating system for decades. So every movie had to meet the same criteria. And I, I, I think that that's where this movie fits that classic movie because 
you could put this on and have a nine-year-old and you don't have to worry about the content. I mean, one of the characters is like not in the movie and they're probably the most offensive character in the movie. It's so funny you say that. I, I literally watched, uh, you're like freaking Mark Zuckerberg. You know when you talk about something and then five minutes later it's on your phone? You're like, I was just talking about yeah. that. <laughs> I, I literally watched like the other day a random YouTube video on the history of film ratings and where they came about. Like that's ah. really freaky that you say that. I think the thing that I'm noticing- He's on to me. <laughs> I'm on to you. I think the thing that we're noticing, and it's actually, I'm glad we've done this in the order because, again, I, I know you've got Mayo well. I know Notting Hill well. They fall into a lot more cliches and tropes of, of what we get in romantic comedies, whereas I think this and Pretty Woman kind of stand on. I mean, this has cliches, but in the same time, it's very unique. Like I was reading a lot about how they were trying to sell this film and a big issue was we're not going to sell a movie based on the couple that doesn't even meet until the final scene, like things mm -hmm. like that. So they, I mean, you've got mail, they take that, but they change it. I think what I'm realizing is, is that, you know, modern romantic comedies, and I don't even know what a modern romantic comedy is because I'm still stuck in like maid of honor and like, you know, like late 2000s romantic comedies. Whereas, you know, then it kind of changed with, say, like a Bridesmaids. I mean, Hangover isn't a romantic comedy, Ben. Stop lumping it in the same thing. It's that gross-out film that I'm thinking of comparing that to Bridesmaids. But you know what I mean? Like, Bridesmaids kind of took the romantic comedy and made it like a mix between The Hangover and Sleepless in Seattle. Like, it, it made it different. Like, like but even the, the, the characters, these characters are so likable and you connect with them. And that's, to me, what a romantic comedy is because... On paper, if you... And this is what we do here. We're analysing these films, and these are actually horrible people. Like, I mean, they're cheating. They're doing this. I mean, Love Actually is a classic example of that. They're not mm. likeable people if you really analyse it, but it's likeable enough for 90 minutes because, oh, Hugh Grant's dancing. Oh, well, I like this movie. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, it's more flash and substance, and if you get to the point, they're not likeable characters, but it's enjoyable. Whereas these movies, they're likeable. They're relatable. Why, why I can come away from this film and go... Meg Ryan's a horrible person. She's cheating on Bill Pullman, but you can relate to what she's saying and why she's doing it. And I'm, I'm not the person to condone cheating, but it's, it's, it's on a level where, and maybe that's going to come where you're going to like defend that scene with Bill Pullman. I don't know. I'm getting very deep and philosophical, but like, I don't know if you mean like, what can we compare it to modern romantic comedies? Cause I just don't think they're not done the same way they were done back in the day, Colin. Can, can we just uh, put a disclaimer on here? When Ben says he's not the one to condone cheating, that's not to imply he's a cheater. Uh, <laughs> in case anybody decided to read that comment the other way. Uh, <laughs> Download our but, Patreon uh, episode and Ben gets his <laughs> therapy on air, finally. But no, it's interesting because I'm looking at modern romantic comedies here and this list, I'm, the majority of the movies I've never heard of before. So I feel like almost the Hallmark Channel has killed this mm, genre yeah you get the odd one here like this movie licorice pizza which came out a couple of years oh, yeah. ago and like i love that i picked that as like my number one movie of the year not a romantic comedy at all it is basically like modern american graffiti and then they sort of throw in this love story the the other ones that i've actually heard of on here like that um jennifer lopez movie with owen wilson uh what's it called here marry me uh which is kind of like Notting hill as far as the plot goes uh, and then uh, Ticket to Paradise, the Julia Roberts, George Clooney. I mean, I feel like those are the ones that are the throwbacks to the 90s. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah th this this might be a dead genre now. But they're, but they're also, but like, yeah, I'm seeing this too. But like, you look at some of the ones, and like, and I'm not, okay, I'm not disparaging movies develop over time. Like, we, we've talked about this. Yeah. Like, an, an action movie from today, of course, it's going to be different from a 90s action movie. And we're of a certain age that we grew up on certain movies. So, people who are younger than us are going to be different. But like, yeah, like I'm looking here, like uh, that that Love Simon movie that came out a couple of years ago. Mm. There was um, 
the big sick. Like they're they're a little bit darker. Like they've got more mm-hmm. of a like. I mean, I've not seen Love Simon, but is that the one where like his partner dies or he commits suicide and they're all like writing? Or is that the one where he's yeah, like? Yeah, I think it, it's suicide one. I think. And what was it? there was that one recently with a kid from Jurassic World and he like he comes out of the closet and falls in love and like it's like it's it's a mm-hmm. it's always got to have like that theme and again I'm not taking away from it being a gay love of course that's fine but it's more like it's 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 done in a way that you're sort of quote not used to but then the big sick it was about his you know this woman that he's been on like one date with who basically falls into a coma and he's like well I really like this woman but I've been on one date with her and like it was based on a true story and like it's they're, they're a bit different you know what I mean it's not that purely standard boy meets girl you know, they're going to meet in the Empire State Building. You know, they've got to do the big romantic gesture. They're completely different, which, again, it's fine. But um, anyway, Ben, old man, Ben. I got called, called old today. Now, can I just ask one question? If I was to say to you, Colin, I'm looking at you right now and I really like your drip. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we, we talked about this on another episode recently okay yeah. well let's see i'm so old i can't even remember that right but like, like literally we, we had both a, had to google it but but like i was looking at this list today of something to do with work and there was a thing for an idea for a tiktok and it said rate my rate the best drips and i'm like well that sounds wrong like does somebody need to go to hospital or something like are oh, you so old ben and i'm like i'm sorry that i don't get the word drip as clothing <laughs> like fuck you <laughs> anyway um, I, I mean, yeah, back to the Tom Hanks, like, I mean, yeah, I probably, I mean, Toy Story is probably the first Tom Hanks movie I saw, not knowing it was Tom Hanks. Um, I've never seen Big. I, I mean, a lot of those 80s Tom Hanks oh. movies, I would have not, I, uh, he did Turner and Hooch, didn't he? That was him. Hmm. I would have seen Turner yeah. and Hooch, so maybe that was maybe the first one I saw. Um, uh, Forrest Gump, I don't know how old I would have been, but yeah, like, you, you gradually saw them all, because it's Tom fucking Hanks. And what I meant, and Meg Ryan's an interesting one because I don't know outside of Sleepless in Seattle if I've really, uh, sorry, you've got mail that I've really seen her in a lot of things, and she's kind of that actress who is a bit Julia Robertsy in the fact that she's so likable and indeed she's she's more, I guess, I, and I don't mean this to sound mean, like Julia Roberts is more like oh Julia Roberts, like you know she's like boom, whereas Meg Ryan is more just like natural beautiful like she's just kind of the girl next door like that that's what people always would refer to her as back in the 90s yeah the girl next door yeah like she's i mean again i could never get meg ryan um but like <laughs> as, but but that's why you connect with the character like that meg ryan plays because you kind of think well i could get meg ryan like i could get tom hanks like neither of us i could get mm-hmm. him. Neither, tom hanks is happily married to rita wilson and abusing <laughs> people on the street in new york now but um <laughs> i don't know where I, like i we I, can get colin hanks well we tried who, who couldn't that man come on he gets around. Um, <laughs> who is he, Ben Powell? Um, <laughs> I like Colin Hanks. Why am I being mean to Colin Hanks? Um, they have another son, don't they? That acts as well. Was it? Is there, is there a Chet? Oh God, Chet! That's the a name, name Chet. Yeah, Chet Hanks. So, but like, I look at her film. The singer. She, she actually. Oh, I mean, Top Gun. I guess she's in Top Gun. But like, she actually doesn't have a very big filmography. Meg Ryan. If you look at her films, you actually like. Does, hasn't done a lot yeah. of movies. Addicted to Love. I've seen Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. Matthew Broderick. I just rewatched that, yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, when are we doing <laughs> next year? Romantic comedy. Addicted to Love. Oh, what a great film. I totally would have put that on here. Um, but uh no, what, what's interesting about Meg Ryan, and I, I don't I think we only briefly touched on this last week, that you know, Pretty Woman comes out and 
Julia Roberts becomes like the biggest star on the planet, but outside of one or two movies kind of avoids the whole romantic comedy genre up until my best friend's wedding. Then for my best friend's wedding on literally every year, sometimes multiple times a year, you have Notting Hill and then you have Runaway Bride and then you have America's Sweethearts and it just goes on and on and on. Whereas during the 90s, Meg Ryan kind of picked up that slack. I mean, mm. technically when Harry Met Sally came first, but you go through her filmography and every second movie is a romantic comedy. Uh, all the way up until you've got, well, Kate and Leopold, I guess, would have been like the last big one oh, with uh, Hugh Jackman. I remember but, that. Uh, that wasn't that great from memory. Yeah, but like, you know, this was now her genre in the 90s. Uh, so by the time Sleepless in Seattle comes out, I mean, Meg Ryan's already replaced Julia Roberts as number one. Uh, but uh, I don't know whether you were aware of this or have ever seen the movie, but this wasn't the first Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie. This They, they oh. cast him in this movie because of the movie they made in 1990, Joe versus the Volcano, which it. was, it, it, I think at the time it was considered like a very bad movie, but now people are like, well, that's actually quite a brilliant movie and it's got this so, big following. So they're kind of like a Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler, where they've actually done three films together, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in Joe versus Volcano had a lot more screen time. You know, it was, it was a slightly darker movie than this, but also much more outrageous than this. And I, I don't know whether this is the case or not, but I mean, I, I feel like Joe versus Volcano, which was maybe starting to become this cult film a couple of years later. And then you add that Tom Hanks had suddenly had this big comeback after basically being like box office poison for several years with League of Their Own. They said, well, let's pair him up with Meg Ryan again because people kind of like them together in Joe versus Volcano. Uh, I don't know whether that was the case or not, but it just seems like it makes I, I don't feel like. You just randomly say, oh, have you ever met Meg Ryan? And he's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> did a movie with her. Yeah, I mean, it, I, we talked about it. This is a this is another month idea. You know, you, you you work out these sort of couples that are always like actors that do movies together. Like, like I like that. Like, it's sort of, it's, you know, we said the Leonardo DiCaprio Kate Winsor one. I've not seen the second one. You said it was bad. Um, I mean, obviously, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore. I mean, Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston. They've done about three or four films together. Yeah. And, and like... <laughs> That's the thing. Um, random thing. I actually, I'll correct myself. Sorry, I have seen Meg Ryan in something. I didn't even realize she was in it. She was the voice of Dr. Blight and Captain Planet and the Planeteers. I mean, back <laughs> up now. I know Jeff Goldblum did a voice in that. Uh, that actually has got a very stacked cast. So if you've actually read into the voice acting of that. Just quickly, we'll get into the movie. But, like, obviously the 80s is known for, like, the battle of the action star. Was the 90s mm -hmm. the battle of the rom-com queens? Like, you had Julia Roberts, Meg yeah. Ryan. I mean, Sandra Bullock, I guess you'd put in that same category. Yeah. Are they the three? Am I missing someone else of like the three, like the main? During the 90s, those like those are the first three names that I thought of when I, when I was thinking about, okay, well, Julia Roberts took a step away from this. There was Meg Ryan. I'm like, oh, but there was also Sandra Bullock. Like those three, I think are like the, the that's the Mount Rush. We need one more to make a Mount Rushmore, I guess. Renee Russo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now Meg Ryan's got to win an Oscar now. Uh, <laughs> catch up, Meg. Come on. That's what she's known as now. Catch up, Meg. Um, I actually really want to see this. What happens later with her and David Duchovny now? Like, just, just I like Meg Ryan. I, I'm gonna admit it. I like Meg Ryan. All right, <laughs> leave me alone. She died. She died in Top Gun. We didn't get a chance to see her in that. Uh, because they killed her off screen. Didn't they ask her back for that? But she didn't want to come back or something. Or, um, I can't remember. I thought it was the other way around, where she was kind of upset they didn't bring her back. No, wasn't that um the other one who just let herself go? Kelly McGillis. Yeah, yeah. maybe well, it was both of them. But actually, know. but the thing is with Meg Ryan, though, like, and I think I, I don't know if she retired as such, but like I think it was always kind one of the, did. 
She she didn't she do that like really dirt was it in the in the cut like where she in kind the of, cut yeah and everything that got like controversial because she like you know that was the big thing but like if you look at her film like outside of TV she did two thousand and nine a movie called Serious Moonlight then she didn't act again to Ithaca and then I mean they've got here as Top Gun Maverick as archival footage but take that away yeah. her first film in eight years will be What Happens Later so yeah. And um, then- yeah. That uh, Ithaca movie, she's not even like the main star. Of that that was like her directorial debut. So I don't know whether she was trying to transition. Uh, we we often like to talk about the double standards that's like people don't talk about. But one area where it's like we can kind of agree, like what really did kill Meg Ryan's career? Was it her doing that in the cut movie? Uh, was it uh, just the fact that like her box office for her movie started to die, or was it the whole Russell Crowe thing that uh, he was Crow, com- yeah. he was completely innocent of? But she was. I mean, granted, I don't think he was married at the time, but but that no, that was some bad publicity because I remember when Proof of Life movie came out, and suddenly Dennis Quaid had this hmm. massive boost in his career, and he became a thing again, and Meg Ryan dropped off the face of the planet. Uh, look, look, it is that that early two thousands thing. Like let let's let's use the uh, you know wardrobe malfunction super bowl poor janet i know you don't like janet jackson but just stick with me like why did her career die and justin timberlake's went like through the roof like i mean what you know that's a bit sexist come on everyone um but again famous last words probably won't take that long to get through this but i mean this is the beauty of romantic comedy we can sit here for half an hour you know going over these bits and then kind of get through to the movie and i just i don't like i want to when i say like meg ryan's a bit plain like Tom Hanks in this movie is very plain. And, like, we love mm-hmm. – everyone loves Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks has never been considered a Hollywood hunk, has he? Like, he's not well, really – is he? Oh, Jamie, of course. I no, not, I mean, no, actually, it's funny because I remember during the 90s there was this uh, this big poll that was done. I don't know, it was like a People magazine or something like that on, like, who are the Hollywood sexiest men, and Tom Hanks made the top five. Oh. Uh, but – Yet the reason he made the top five, what the response the majority of women gave was, this is a guy I'd like to marry, not this is Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt level of handsome. Kiss, kill, this, marry, this... fuck, marry, kill kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This was the marry guy, you know? But but I, I think that's the thing. This movie makes that. Because do you think that off of Forrest Gump or Apollo 13 or A League of Their Own, Tom Hanks becomes that guy that everyone wants to marry. I mean, it's it's got to be this movie. But that's the thing. Like, and again, maybe this is just based on the movies I've seen. I don't know if there is a movie where kind of like he's the sexy guy, like it's a bit suave, bit whatever. But like, he's always kind of that. I mean, that's why he's America's dad. Every man. He, he's a, yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of the day and age we live in. The two people that I'm thinking of as like the father figures that people have differing opinions on. You have Tom Hanks, who's like, he's America's dad. We love him. You can yell at people on the street in New York and we'll still love you, right? let's be honest, we all knew COVID was serious when we were concerned that Tom Hanks got it in Australia. We knew that was the part. We're like, oh, my God, yeah. Tom Hanks is it. This is real. Um, <laughs> and the other one is Pedro Pascal. I mean, what a man. But everyone's like, oh, daddy. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> ask Jamie what that means. Um, but, like, it's <laughs> – and I, I, there's, like, a montage of him being asked awkward questions about the fact that all these, like, women are, like, in love with him because of like, oh, daddy. Like, it's because like, they're about the same age, aren't they, Pedro Pascal and Tom Hanks? Are they? Or? Oh, no. I've, Tom Hanks like in his 60s now, isn't he? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And Rita Wilson. I mean, mention her. She's in this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Rita Wilson. <laughs> also got COVID. <laughs> I mean, are they the longest lasting Hollywood couple? I think so. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think, what, not of all time, but... Uh, Goldie Horn and modern... Kurt Russell have been together forever, have they? Haven't they? Are they still together? Oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Douglas, I guess, Kathy I guess... Jones. Yeah. 
though of like the ones where you know they were famous they, they got married as famous people you know uh, then yeah i'm trying to think if there's any i mean you could say steven spielberg and kate capshaw but i mean that mm. that's i guess director I mean, and then, actress yeah, but, but this is like the like you know it's cliche hollywood couples break up but like i mean you think of the ones like i mean Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Horseface. They're still together. Um, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. And, and Sarah Michelle. I always forget they're a couple. Um, you know, they're, they're still together. But they're not serious. I like Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm sorry. She's not a horse. Um, still to this day, the one biggest complaint I ever got when I was on air on radio, and I've told the story before, was the time I, I referred to an Australian television host as a horse. Um, and I got complaint. I'm like, really? Her? She doesn't like a horse, though. Like... <laughs> and I had her on the show a couple of years later, but I didn't bring that up, funnily enough. Um, so, um, this movie starts off pretty funny, doesn't it? Your mother's dead of cancer. Um, <laughs> laugh a minute. <laughs> but, like, I think, you know, you touched on, alluded to, I guess, last week that this movie is kind of, like I said, what, Pretty Woman's like 70% drama, 30% comedy or whatever it was. I think the thing I'll say that's different, I think this movie definitely starts off as like, whoa, okay. But I, I, I think this movie definitely gets a bit more quirkier and funnier by the end than Pretty Woman. Um, yeah, it, this is this is like very under the radar funny. Yeah. Like a line comes out, even though the jokes are basically coming sometimes every 30 seconds, every time one comes out, you're like, oh, I didn't expect that to make me laugh. I mean, I didn't cry watching Pretty Woman. I cried watching this film and it's all in like the first half an hour of this goddamn movie because it's like <laughs> fucking hell, like... You just kind of got straight away. Tom Hanks is just like, so your mum's dead. Um, and then basically it's like he's in his office and we've got like the the dad here, who, uh, the the office guy is like, oh, here's a card for my therapist. And then Tom Hanks is just like, well, here's a card for like friends without family, families without friends, bereavement, blah, 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 blah. And like, again, like not to get too deep and personal, but if you've ever been in a situation where you've got people like this in your life who are going like, hey, you should see a therapist. Tom Hanks kind of reacts like how I react. At least I'll call. What are they going to do? Like, going to yeah. click their fingers and fix things? Like, um, if you suffered pain, if you're listening to this show, you know what pain's like. You know, therapy's not going to fix this crap. Um, so it just it kind of like it it hits pretty close to home. And then this is kind of like intersected with these flashbacks, which I'm I'm sitting around like I'm excited for all these like big stars in this movie, and I'm kind of like, where's Carrie Lau? Where where is she? Where's Pam Bouvier? And she's the dead wife. Um, and she's still got <laughs> short hair. Um, the ghost of Pam. But, I mean, Tom Hanks with a Bond girl. <laughs> There's a trivia question that you could put out there. Like, what movie did Tom Hanks star with with a former Bond girl? You yeah. Know? We'll ask that to Noah next time he's on. He won't get it. Let's be honest. <laughs> he's dumb. Um, and happy birthday, Noah. Um, happy birthday. But this is kind of like where it should be called Sleepless Across America because we're in Chicago right now. And then it's like... I'm going to have a change. Like, yes, you should have two weeks off. No, I want to move. Okay. I'm going to go to Seattle. Um, like, <laughs> Is there, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's been, you know, features made on this and the makings of and cast reunions and all that sort of stuff. But do we know why Seattle was chosen? Like, I mean, is it just because it's a random city? Like, is that where Nora Ephron's from? Like, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but. No, I, I'll I'll try to dig it up, but uh, I'm not really finding anything. Because like I get, look, I I love the city of Seattle. It's one of my favorite cities in the U.S. But I do not really know my Seattle history. To me, I only assume Seattle was kind of made more of a thing with like Nirvana and Starbucks, like you know the kind of the cliche things. I mean, the space they had the World Fair. I mean, that's that's what the Space Needle is. So I guess that was what 60s, 70s. But again, pardon my uh, ignorance on the city the city of Seattle. It's not really one of these standout ones. Like when I 
went to Seattle and I told people I was going to Seattle. The question was, why are you going to Seattle? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. why not? It looks like a cool city. And it was. Um, so it's just, it's kind of random. That's my point. It's like, okay, Seattle. Um, so we get this cool, like, I guess, opening credits <laughs> sung by, um, uh, who's licensed to kill woman? Licensed. Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. And he's going to fly. Across the country, fly across the country. <laughs> yeah, but his wife is dead. <laughs> Must have been the breast cancer. <laughs> they fell in love on a boat. Hey, connections to license to kill boats. <laughs> <laughs> the wife is dead. Kill. Um, and I'm sure Timothy Dalton saw it in the movie. Uh, the I theater. guarantee Wayne Newton has a song on the soundtrack. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro went on a honeymoon. <laughs> and Bill Pullman. Um, but meanwhile, cross country. This is, I guess you do kind of have graphics on screen that say Baltimore, but where's the Quantum of Solar Star? Like, Baltimore. But, <laughs> but I, like, I will say, it's like, again, I'm not disparaging these cities, but like movies are generally set in like LA, New York, like, you know, Chicago. We get the beginning, but like why Baltimore and Seattle? Like, is it because they're on the opposite side of the country? Like, I think maybe? that's why. Yeah. But like, wouldn't you do like Miami and LA? <laughs> like, you know, it just, it seems a bit odd I, to me that there's a, there's a choices. Like I couldn't find any trivia about why Seattle was chosen location. The only thing I can guess, like there's a line that David Hyde Pierce come, says about like, it, it, it rains nine months mm. of the year there. It, they, they probably just, Sub, whether not they subconsciously, but they wanted the audience to subconsciously be associated the fact that it's raining all the time. This movie just was sadness, so they, they set him in Seattle to kind of depict this is the sad guy. David Hyde Pierce is already there, right? He's filming Frasier, so <laughs> just, yeah. But I mean, I guess maybe it was like a the radio call. Like you hear that whole line where they're kind of like, "What, like mad in Miami, and you know, lost in whatever you know they're saying." So maybe they were just like went with like. We want him to be sleepless. And what are cities that begin with S? Like Sleepless in Sacramento? Probably not a great film. Um, no disrespect to Sacramento. I've never been there. Sleepless in San Francisco. I mean, that honestly, that's probably a more obvious choice, but maybe Seattle worked. Anyway, I'm not nitpicking. I'm just saying it's it's random. But uh, big big decade for Seattle in the 90s. All right? Sleepless in Seattle, yeah. Frasier. Um, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Pearl Jam, Nirvana. It was South Garden from there as well. Uh, and then Grey's Anatomy shat all over it. So, um <laughs> Good job. But anyway, so we meet Meg Ryan. Uh, here she is with Bill Pullman. There he is. Uh, so his second Tom Hanks movie. Like, Tom Hanks. Okay. Yeah. Let's just. Well, let's... and Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, he yeah, called well, in some favors. Where's Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> just saying. But it, it, just, it just literally clicked right there. Good job. But, but like, it's like, let's think about Bill Pullman as a nice guy. All right. I'm just saying this right now. Okay. A league of their own. Bill Pullman off at war, bit flirty, flirty, Gina Davis, Tom Hanks. But then Bill Pullman comes into the picture and Gina Davis is so in love with Bill Pullman that she's like, Tom Hanks, you're an all right guy, but Bill Pullman's the man for me. Meg Ryan, <laughs> Bill Pullman, you're a great guy, but fuck you, I'm fucking Tom Hanks. Gina Davis, <laughs> better person than Meg Ryan. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> this is where Tom Hanks came in and he's like, listen, in no reality does a woman pick Bill Pullman over me. So let's cast this guy or I get to be the guy chosen. <laughs> no, he's literally, he's, he's made cast and sleepers in Seattle. It's like, okay, so Meg Ryan's going to be with a guy. Uh, we've got Tom Hanks. Bill Pullman, 
It's like, oh, that was quick, Tom. <laughs> so I need revenge over that bastard. I didn't get to get the with world Gina thinks Davis. this guy's the winner. <laughs> yeah. Come on now, Gina Davis. Come on, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, but, but Gina Davis though, she's got good taste in men. Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, like you know, yeah. That, that, she's a smart woman. When are we doing Gina Davis month? We could do uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Great film. Bellman Louise. Yeah, exactly. We could do Earth Girls Ruby. Maybe not. Oh, you add, let's add Brad Pitt to that list of taste in men. Yeah, well, true. Exactly. Commander in Chief. Jason Wiles from Third Watch is in that TV. <laughs> that was a great show. Donald Sutherland's in That's Keeper Sutherland's dad. Yeah, uh, I heard that. Matt Lanter, the voice of Anakin Skywalker. Like, you know, like, is that, did you ever watch it? Like, seriously, that was a good show. No, I never I actually, saw it. I actually really enjoyed it. I've got it if you want it. It's only one season. It's not that long. Anyway, they go. <laughs> when I actually, like, when you said to me that you hated Bill Pullman, so when we meet him, I like, I knew nothing about this film. So I, I thought he was going to be like a sleaze. He was going to be like cheating on her. Like, I thought, like, oh, obviously he's meant to it's be. the opposite. But, like, I legitimately thought, like, he was meant to be unlikable. Like, oh, okay, look out for this guy. He's, you know. Doing he's Jason Alexander, he's off raping people or something like that. But like, as in the character Jason Alexander played in Pretty Woman, <laughs> not the actor Jason Alexander. I'm sure he is not a rapist. Um, <laughs> that is a sentence that no one should ever. <laughs> Welcome to the Oz Network. To clarify, Jason Alexander, not a rapist. Um, also, Larry the Inter- Larry the Cable Guy, not a p- chronic masturbator. Um, also, Gary Newman and Gary Glitter, two different people. <laughs> Tom Hank, uh, Tom Cruise. Gay. Uh, <laughs> and today is definitely Noah's birthday. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. <laughs> and props to Brendan Fraser. Actually, we haven't done that in a while. Remember he won an Oscar? Oh, what a day. Um, rest in peace, Tanya Roberts. Oh, so you say rest in peace, Brendan Fraser. Ooh. Oh. Rest in peace, lead singer of Smash Mouth. <laughs> 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 Why is that funny? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's an all-star. Gets game on. <laughs> Get paid. Um, it's like um, what's his face? Scatman John all over again. That's sad. <laughs> Don't die on us. Um, iconic day. Where were you when Michael Jackson died? Where were you when Princess Diana died? Where were you when the lead singer of Smash Mouth died? I know that's what my kids will be asking me in twenty years. You remember where you were when the guy from Smash Mouth died? We don't even Recording know his name. in Seattle. <laughs> I'm going to look up his name now because now I feel bad. I owned their first CD. It's literally lead singer of Smash Mouth is what we're saying. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, he's dead. Uh, he will be by the Steve time. Steve Harwell. Oh, rest in he peace. He doesn't look like a Steve Harwell. <laughs> no, he does. He was in Rat Race. We can, do, can we do Rat Race as a tribute? <laughs> That's a great film. We've talked about doing that before, haven't we? Rat Race is oh, a great free- movie. Oh, yeah. That was almost on our anniversary uh, month a couple years ago. I always forget how much I love that Walking of the Sun song, too. Yeah, Christopher like, Walken on the Sun. Walking, I get it. We were having this conversation at work today, and I'm like, oh, they also did that um, that cover of uh, Big Yellow Taxi with Vanessa Carlton. I'm like, no, that was Counting Crows. I'm like, oh, they oh, did a song well, from Shrek, too, didn't they, as well? Accidentally they did, um, I think it was in Lethal Weapon 4. They did Why Can't We Be Friends, the cover of that. Oh, that, that old Why Counting Crows. Why Can't We Be Friends. No, that wasn't Counting Crows. What? Oh, what? Hang on, Smash Mouth. What are we, they're the same Smash band. Smash Mouth did Why Can't We Be... They're not the same. They're not <laughs> nothing alike. <laughs> I, no, no, no offense. Rest in peace, Steve Harwell. But I mean, Counting Crows blow you guys away. Oh, so you're saying they're better? Counting Crows are better than Smash Mouth. But about, still, I'm about to kill the did. lead singer of Counting Crows. I'm like, you've counted enough crows. Die. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take the lead singer. What's his name? I gotta write it down. Steve Harwell. No. Steve Harwell. Message Noah and just say Steve Harwell dead. 
Shrey on a Shrek anniversary. Uh, that's an and by the way, happy birthday. Tell <laughs> Kel not we've finally got an excuse to do Shrek. Steve Hartwell's dead. He'd be like, oh. <laughs> oh, I wonder if John Voight, uh, not John Voight, <laughs> maybe John Voight. Who else do you want to kill this week? <laughs> no, I was thinking of, um, oh, what's, what's his name? He was in the first Shrek. He plays, um, um, Lord John Lovett. John no, not Lovett. Lovett. No, not no. Lovett. Um, <laughs> uh, John Lithgow. Which Lithgow, John? yeah. Third Rock from the Sun guy. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, John Lithgow would tweet out his <laughs> tribute. And then we got John Void out there. We got John Lovett. <laughs> Too many Johns. Oh, rest in peace, Steve Hartwell. What a man. Um, <laughs> wonder if he liked Sleepless in Seattle. Quick, get him on the phone before he's dead. <laughs> Hi, is that Steve Hartwell? Sorry you're dying. Uh, what do you think of Sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> Actually, can you? I'll give you some homework while I talk. Can you message Billy Garcia and ask him what he thinks of Sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> Not going to message Billy Garcia. That's our new thing, every movie. <laughs> hey, Billy, what do you think of Pretty Woman? <laughs> Who's your favourite romantic comedy queen of the 90s? Sandra Bullock, Meg Ryan, or Julia on, Roberts? On week four, we could just give him rank these films in order. <laughs> he would do it. Do it. There you go. That's your homework. And happy birthday, Noah. Um, so, Bill Pullman, he's the nicest guy. He's allergic to everything. Um, he shows up to dinner. We've got David Hyde Pierce. We've got uh, Francis What's-A-Face. Um, I, lo- I love this guy. He's just like... I'm allergic to bees, like every but I'm allergic to bees. Um, I don't know why that's my like, favorite character in the movie. My favorite character in the movie is the worst character in the movie, the babysitter. She's the worst, <laughs> but she's just like so terrible. She's great, um, but I also love I love Bill Pullman when they're like going on about everything. And it's like, oh, at my wedding we had salmon. You're definitely going to have salmon. I'm not allergic to salmon. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> like he's so nice. Like he's just like he's cute. He's a like he's allergic to everything. And Meg Ryan's so in love. But then I guess you kind of get this like initial moment where like, well, maybe she's not in love because got, is this her mum? Like her mum's very young. Like good job, Meg Ryan's mum in this film. They're trying on like this wedding dress. Good job, you had a child at fifteen. <laughs> Don't refer to her as that. Um, yeah. She's not Ben Powell. Um, but. <laughs> Like, kind of say, this woman who played, look her up. Is she still alive? Why is she still with us? And Stephen Hartwell isn't. It's not fair. <laughs> Why does God take them so young? Um, I really have nothing against Smash Mouth. They have two good songs. Um, <laughs> At least. <laughs> didn't they have three? They had. I, I feel like, oh, no, you know what? They're, this they is this the most random song ever. That's the other then one. Then they did that one, yeah. But the, but there's an original song of theirs. They also did for me. I swear that every movie from like 1998 until 2008 had to have a Smash Mouth. But it was uh, it was for the Tim Allen movie, the superhero movie Zoom, and it's called So Insane. It's a great song. Actually, they did another song off another movie that was like on the end credits. And like, <laughs> hang on, I'm blown away. Now we we're talking about this. There was some movie I watched once, and like there was this like original song. And I'm like, what's this song? And I like I shazammed it. And it was it was Smash Mouth. It's called Hang On. I'm, uh, I'm looking. Well, you you have a list of your Smash Mouth songs in movies, it and was, there are no, thirty it was, credits. It was it was on my iTunes. Hang on, Smash Mouth movie. What movie was that from? Cat in the Hat. That's when we did Cat in <laughs> the Hat. When we did the, the, the end credits, we're like, we like this song, and it was 
yeah, you know their career went bad when we had the one good thing about Cat and the Hat was Smash Mouth. Um, I feel like we need to go back and listen to Cat and the Hat. We probably talked too long about it. So we're doing it now. They're not even in this movie. Sorry. I'm so Famous st- last words. Steve Hartwell. He's dead. No, not Steve Hartwell. By the time we're run, done running through all their filmography of songs, they'll be dead. I wonder if like he'll get like a, you know, a public outpouring of grief. Like, it's like you know, Bob Barker's sad, but everyone thought he was dead. Jimmy Buffett. Honestly, it's the first thing when somebody says, oh, Jimmy Buffett died, he had too many margaritas. Uh, um, like, Smash Mouth, no, it's up there with like when Prince died or David Bowie. Um, we are talking too much about Smash Mouth. This isn't 2003. Um, Meg Ryan's trying on this dress. And this is kind of where you get that first little moment of like, you know, because she's so in love with Bill Pullman. But then like her mum's all like, oh, and we met. And when her hands touched, it was like our fingers were connected and all this kind of stuff. And she kind of has that look of like, hmm, do I really feel like that about Bill Pullman? That's what Colin has every time when Jamie uh, talks about her love for him. Colin's like, hmm, do I really, do I really love her? Uh, you do. Colin loves Jamie, all right? I'm not saying you don't. Colin just doesn't show it. <laughs> this is, which, it, 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 well, I was going to say it's a competition between me and Keanu as to who she loves the most. <laughs> and a competition between I you. could be Bill Pullman here. Does she prefer Pullman or Paxton? Um, oh, definitely Paxton. She has no thoughts whatsoever on Bill Pullman, but she loves oh, Bill Paxton. How can she not have thoughts on Bill? I have thoughts about Bill Pullman every day. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, ah, oh, Bill Pullman. He's alive still. He's alive still. All right. Don't take Bill Pullman away. You took Bill Paxton away from me. Not Bill Pullman. Leave us at least one Bill. <laughs> There's one Bill. Here's another famous Bill. Le- Leave us Please. Bill Skarsgård. J- oh. Jamie will kill us if Bill Skarsgård is gone. Wait, that's the one from um, the Chernobyl one, right? It. it oh, it. No. Uh, the, yeah, not Tarzan, the other brother. But wait, isn't who's the Skarsgård in? Isn't there a Skarsgård in uh, Chernobyl? Yeah, I don't Alexander know Chernobyl Skarsgård. Chernobyl. Yeah. Well, J- don't don't take him either. Jamie will kill you. Oh no, that's the, that's the true blood little dick guy. No, who's the one I'm thinking of? There's another famous Bill. Why are we talking about famous Bill, Bills and Johns? Bills. <laughs> Bills. In Chernobyl. <laughs> Is that a Beyonce song? Bills, Bills, Bills. <laughs> um, I don't understand what this has happened to this episode. Wow. Stellan Skarsgård is the one in Stellan Chernobyl. Stellan Skarsgård. There's a Scar. I knew there was a third one. Jamie also doesn't want you to take him from us. I knew there was it. Like, I mean, you got to take one. Like, I take a Skarsgård over Bill Pullman. Like, seriously. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> even you would say that. Come on. You can take like the bass player from Smash Mouth. Nobody even knows his name. What's we that? didn't know Steve Hartwell's name either. Well, okay, like, let's let's back to Steve Hartwell. But like, the drummer of like the Foo Fighters died like a year ago. I'm like, I'm people. Oh, were, that was well. Yeah, that was huge. Exactly, but like. If I'm being completely honest with you, outside of Dave Grohl, I didn't know any of the other members of, like, I'm sorry. I'm like, they're fine. The Foo Fighters, I wouldn't know anything. So when he died, I'm like, well, that's sad. Okay. Sorry. You lost fans of the Foo Fighters. But when you say the lead singer of Smash Mouth, I'm like, I know that guy. He was in Rat Race. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Buffett was in Jurassic World. Like, I mean, you know, was he a Skarsgård? Jimmy Buffett Skarsgård? John Skarsgård? Oh, it's scene two right now. I guarantee you I'm going to get this done in two and a half hours. I, 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 will, I will make a bet with you. Anyway, so um, th- there's, there's really like the, the references to sex in this film are weird. This is a Colin Hilding movie because like all of a sudden the yeah. mum's all like, I loved her and that sort of stuff. Oh, and then we boned like rabbits. Are you? And that's where the real chemistry was. How's your sex life, daughter? 
She's like, oh, we've done it. How is it? Oh, it's great. Like, and then the kid later on talking about sex, it's kind of like, what? Where did that come from? And then everyone's just like, hey, sex. Um, Bill Pullman, meanwhile, they're, so they're walking out. And like, I, I, I get like these romantic comedies where, you know, it, Bill Pullman's the James Marsden of this film, right? Like he's the, oh, he's not the dreamboat. Mm-hmm. We want Tom Hanks. But like, again, like the way they try to sell him as being bad. So he's allergic to things. Okay. But then like, how nice is he? Like, she's all like, oh, I left your stepmom's present in the home. And he's just like, okay, I'll wait. <laughs> and she's just basically like, well, you can drive. Like, and he's just like, okay. Like, this is so nice. Like, it's just like, okay. So then off he goes. And then she's like driving along. It's Christmas time. She's singing Jingle Bells and she's flicking the, the radio. Why, there's a massive problem with this film. Why is everyone in 1993 listening to the wireless? Like, I mean, people are watching TV in the 90s. Like, come on. Uh, I know she's in the car before you correct me on that. But then later on, <laughs> everybody else is like, oh, I listened to the radio last night. Like, when was the last time? Yeah. You're old. Did you ever hear anyone in your life? Oh, I listened to the radio last night. Did you hear it? Did you hear the it, radio? Unless they're driving, no. I mean, there were, there, I remember there were a few times in high school when like, and you're going to laugh at me, but like, I remember when the Britney Spears Madonna duet launched, like my friend and like, oh, they're playing it on the radio tonight at like, you know, 7 p.m. Because that was prior to like YouTube and stuff. So you listen to the radio to listen to the brand new song. Um, we did that with Sam Smith writing on the wall. Was it? Was that just Noah and I? I remember we tuned into like BBC Radio like Five Live at like five PM our time. Anyway, so she's listening I'd to the radio. Block that out for people who are listening to this who are already thinking this is two old white men talking about nineties movies. The radio is what people used to have to do to listen to music. Uh, <laughs> it's great advice, Ben. You Ben Waterworth started on radio, and here I am podcasting about Sleepless <laughs> in Seattle, Morning the Death of Steve Hartwell. <laughs> <laughs> No! <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm losing my glasses. I was on air when Michael Jackson died. I broke the news of Michael Jackson's death. I had people say to me, Ben, you will be the person who told me Michael Jackson died. I had to leave the radio station and cry because I'm that much of a Michael Jackson fan. I am on air right now and Steve Hartwell could be dying. This could be as big. Like right now, the people are going to hear this for a week and a half. I know I'm not live. But it's like, where were you moments? I announced the death of Michael Jackson. So, like, can you just keep a, a Google Chrome browser and keep refreshing? I want breaking news. Steve Harwell. Hey. Right? This is Tanya Roberts all over again. <laughs> uh, like, be on Twitter. Like, I, I want this to be like a Steve Hartwell watch. Okay? <laughs> like, um, Steve. We I'll- are at hour nine of Steve Hartwell watch. It kind of it was that South Park episode where it's like, where were you when the kids built the ladder? <laughs> It's like, you know, I mean, is he still alive from what I'm seeing here? Um, so just we'll, let, let, let's make this episode long enough till he dies. No, let's not. Um, <laughs> she's driving along. She's listening to the radio. <laughs> and national syndicated radio, we've got Dr. Gail Weathers. No, Martin, that's, that's um, wrong. Marsha Fieldstone. Marsha Fieldstone. Now, okay, here's a really weird thing. Like, this is a voice. We never see this woman. I don't know. I do, no, 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 no. I do not know no. why. I think this is the weirdest connection ever. Is this the same woman from Air Force One when Harrison Ford is on the plane and he's like, put me through to the thing. And that, that woman's like, the, you know, the, this is the White House switchboard. The president doesn't call this number. It's like, you want to make this a national security incident? Fine by me. Like, it sounds like the same woman. I'm probably well off. It's, it's not. Okay. But uh, the, the actress who's credited here, Carolyn Aaron, 
basically, she's been in a ton of things and apparently is in like everything that Nora Ephron does, probably okay. as a voice and everything, but she's been in um, uh, Primary Colors, uh, Anywhere But Here, mm. um, Lucky Numbers, uh, Along Came Polly. Yeah, no oh, Air Force movie. There's a romantic comedy we need to do. Along Came Polly, Deborah Messing, that Jennifer one, that Anderson, one's good, yeah. Ben Stiller. It's the battle of the, the sitcom queen, Jennifer Anderson versus Deborah You want Deborah a color? Go right ahead, okay? And by the way, guys, Steve Hartwell is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have that? Yes, heard? Daddy. Do they have <laughs> Smash Mouth? Do they no, win? it's the guy from Smash Mouth. Ben's trying to kill him on air. No, he's, he's actually dying. <laughs> Sad. Tell her to Google it. Um... So, but I guarantee by the end of this episode, James will be like, did you hear about this? She's going to send me a link. <laughs> nationally syndicated radio. Uh, and so basically this is like she's a, a therapist. It's it's Frasier. Like Frasier's a therapist. Yeah. Isn't that what he does like in Seattle? What's, yeah. What year did Frasier start? Exact same year. It de- uh, debuted just after this movie. Uh, this came out in June and Frasier was on the air in September. So, okay. Seattle, birth of grunge music in the early 90s, birth of talking psychiatrist radio shows in the <laughs> early 90s. Why does nobody ever put two and two together with this? Um, I bet you that's where Dr. Marvin Monroe broadcasts yeah. from. <laughs> but I, like, I, I kind of like this like little, it's cute. Like, And again, I, uh, knowing nothing about this film, I knew the end. it ended on the Empire State Building. That's all I really knew. I knew there was some scene between a kid and Tom Hanks talking about sex. That's all I knew. But I didn't know this was like a thing that it was like a call into the radio station to the kid. The kid, and you know me, I get annoyed at kids in films. I like this kid. He's good. And did you yeah. recognize this kid at all? I said at the beginning of the show, but uh, I don't know if you you have that familiar uh, with Sudden Death, the John claude Van Damme yeah. movie. Yeah, no, Sudden Death. There was one other thing that he was in, though. Um, trying to find Susan. it here. Uh, <laughs> that, that must have been it. <laughs> uh, you know, he did a voice in Homeward Bound 2. Oh, um, I love that movie. Hold on, I, I was no. I'm there. There's another kid that he reminds me of, and I can't remember who it is now. But uh, I'm I'm surprised he didn't go on to bigger things because he he's really good in this movie. I think he's like Jake well, Lloyd, he, re- he retired. He retired years after this. You would think even as a child actor in the '90s, he would have gotten something else. Other no, he's than this. but he, he. You're right. He's actually really good. And like the whole time I watched this, going, "Who is this kid? I know this kid." Mm-hmm. And I looked him up. Like sudden death. He's a little yeah. kid in sudden death. Um, he's the one who makes his John Claude Van Damme go out in the ice and be a goalie. We need to do that movie. That movie is fucking ridiculously stupid, but amazing at the same time. John Claude Van Damme becomes a goalie because he sneaks onto the ice in an NHL Game 7 Stanley Cup final. Standard. We get Billy. We got to get Matt on the line for the long promised month. <laughs> Powers Booth, um, you know, <laughs> future president of the United States in 24. So anyway, so there's this sweet little moment. The kids are like, my dad um, is sad because my mom died. And he wants a wife. So basically, uh, we've got this whole thing of him like just, this is like I'm crying my eyes out in this scene, you know, just like when he's explaining just the love for his wife and what he misses and like that line, like what does she say for him to turn around and say like, well, I get up every morning. Like, like, you know, like it's just just like, oh, fuck. It's amazing. And you're right. Like, I mean, the, the 90, 1994 Oscars, 93 in film. Go onto Wikipedia and look at that year in film at what was at the Oscars that year. That is, if we ever, we're never going to do it because we don't have the time. But like, if we ever did a retrospective, like let's do all the best pitch nominees, like 1993 slash 94 is the year to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a year that I still stand by the fact Jurassic Park should have been nominated for best picture. Would have been in a 10 picture year, but anyway. But um, what a year. But, um, and Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Was that was that no back to back was Forrest Gump. This was his first one, wasn't it, for Philadelphia that year? Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
that's the the premise of this film. It's Tom Hanks is called in, well, his son's called in, and everybody's in love. And then this woman calls him sleepless in Seattle. And everybody, who's everybody, is listening to this show, right? We've got She pulls into a diner, gets a 65-cent tea with the bag out of the cup. So basically she's ordered a hot cup of hot water with a tea bag. So I wondered about that. I'm like, is tea with the bag out, is that where they basically just drape it over the edge so you can steep it? Or is that where you put the bag in yourself? It would be where you put it in yourself because it's like, yeah, when I drink tea, I dip it in. Well, you see, like I'm looking at... But like, you know how you can get teas where it's just the bag, there's no yeah. string on the end of it? Maybe that's what she was ordering. But because it, it confused me too. But it was, isn't that... um. Um, Breaking Bad with Lydia when she like, goes into that diner. She's like, I'll have a peppermint tea, blah, 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 blah. And that woman's just like, we have Lipton's. And then she's like, <laughs> I'll have a cup of hot water with a bag on the side and like stevia. It's like, yeah, anyway. so I'm she- still shocked that you weren't a bigger fan of Lydia. Lydia was hilarious on that show. <sighs> yeah, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so these people in this diner are listening to it. And then straight away, like, Meg Ryan is like, hmm, I like this guy maybe. Like, it's sweet. And then we find out that 2,000 people across America are in love with this guy, which it's the 90s. It's cute. It's phone-in radio. Like, let's be in love. Like, this is the day and age of, like, personal letters and things like that. Like, I mean, it, it's a bit dated, this movie, as will You've Got Mail be in a week's time. Um, but at the time, it was charming, right? Uh, and I'm sure this was a thing. I'm sure this was a thing that they had radio shows like this and everything along those lines. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with that in Australia, but it's America. Everything like this is is a, is a real thing. So it's it's, it's kind of cute. Uh, then we find out that Meg Ryan's a journalist. Yay! Positive portrayal of a journalist. Woo, 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 woo. He's a stalker too. Uh... Let's ignore that bit. Yay! Positive. <laughs> I do not buy Rosie O'Donnell as an editor of a newspaper um, because she is a shit editor if she's this chilled in a room like, Trust me, editors are not that chill. Um, massive plot hole, journalism plot hole. Why is the Baltimore Star wanting to write a story on a Chicago-based radio station on a guy in Seattle? Now, But I don't think they are wanting to. I think she's using that, her job, as an excuse to get information. No, no, no. Because like, Rosie O'Donnell ever say, write no, the she story? Does. So, no, like, later on, that is, oh. you're right. That's later on, Meg Ryan used that as an excuse, and Rosie O'Donnell plays along with it. But, like, here... This is where this conversation comes in. Like Rosie O'Donnell literally brings this up in this, um, you know, editorial meeting. She's like, oh, so there was a guy last night who called into a Chicago nationally syndicated radio show. And I think we should do a story on it. It's like, you're the Baltimore sun. Like, why? Like, does the Winnipeg, you know, Mercury or whatever you called there, do they do a story on the Hobart car crash? No. Uh, We should. You should. Did you recognize the, the bigger guy here? Not the skinny, weedy guy. Random movie that I know him from. He's in the Mr. Bean movie. I don't know what the actor's name is, but uh, no. if, you, if you remember, because the Mr. Bean movie's got like random people in the with uh, Peter. What's his name? And Nickel. You got like Sandra O's in that movie. Um, what's his face from Twenty Four that we talked a lot about a couple of years ago? Um, and then this big guy is in the Mr. Bean movie. So <laughs> random connection there. Um, so anyway, they're sort of like talking about uh, this this guy on the radio, Tom Hanks, two thousand letters. Uh, we get the first reference, and is this actually a book? We get this first reference of, oh, well, you know, statistically, you're more likely to get killed by a terrorist and get married after you're 40. Uh, I'm screwed, um, so good to know. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to being killed by a terrorist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's 2023. We're all likely to be killed by a terrorist at some point. 
Um, so, and then Rosie O'Donnell takes her out to Meg, takes Meg Ryan out to breakfast and is like, you're different. What's going on? And it's like, oh, I listened to that guy on the radio last night. And I just felt something. Quick uh, question with that notice. Rosie O'Donnell, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, she became really big really quick. I, I, hey, she lost I, I don't know why she... <laughs> Sorry, let me rephrase. <laughs> very popular, very quick. But I always found it weird that, uh, you know, she had this run of like League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, the Flintstones. Flintstone. Yeah, and then she just stopped acting and did that talk show. But like her talk show was like, like that was like I mean, huge, huge. And the pre I used to watch it because... Yeah, it was on like every single day at like 4.30 in the afternoon and I'd watch it every single day. Like, yeah, the, she... She kind of reinvented uh, daytime talk shows, so yeah. they weren't just all, you know, the the Donahue and Oprah style. Um, I, I think she's groundbreaking. I mean, I, I know she didn't do too well on The View, and I think now she's just on satellite radio. But like, she's she's fantastic. I think people forget how funny she really is. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm actually a, 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 a it's a closet Rosie O'Donnell fan, but I'm a mad Rosie O'Donnell fan. I love her. Yeah. Um, she was one of the most famous um, recurring uh, famous people who kept coming in onto Nip Tuck. Uh, she, she was so popular, like in her one-off episode that basically they brought her back like four times. She had a random cameo on third watch. She was a, pa- she was a paramedic in one scene, blinking, you miss it. She comes up, she's like, what have we got? And, like, and they hand her off to her. And her, the, the only show, like talk show that I ever saw third watch actors on was a Rosie O'Donnell show. She had a couple of like the actors from third watch were on her talk show. That was, that was another thing I really appreciated about her show is that you you could tell it was very much built around her. Like if mm. she liked something, she's like, I'm going to get this person on the show. And often you'd get exposed to things that like, you know, you wouldn't normally see on Leno or Letterman or Conan O'Brien just because Rosie O'Donnell's a fan and she wants to get something out there. The elephant in the room based on the roots of our show, of course, is that we don't talk about the Survivor Marquesas reunion because that was pretty horrible. Um, but I mean, I think kind of her love of Colby basically then turned into a, her uh, fucking hatred of Elizabeth. Because uh, that mm. was all I remember from the view is you'd watch those clips of like Rosie O'Donnell and Elizabeth Hasselbeck yell at each other, um, which was always funny. But uh, yeah, I, I love Rosie, and she's good in this. Like she's actually she is a really yeah. good actor. Like I think that yeah, she is. She's I mean she's an of all the star power that's in a league of their own. Like she's actually really good in that film. And I know you kind of sort of don't talk down on Madonna in that film, but I know Rosie O'Donnell's talked a lot in the past. I'm sure you watch them all the time, but she's got a lot of interviews where she's talked about like her friendship with Madonna. She was like like yeah. You know, there's, there's, they became like BFFs. There's all the uh, offset, you know, stories about how, you know, Diva Madonna basically shut down an entire town because she's like, I'm not filming in a small town like this because I'm Madonna until you shut this down. Like, it's hilarious, all the stories. But Rosie O'Donnell, like, humanizes Madonna to a point which I don't think many people have. So, anyway, Rosie O'Donnell, love her. So, um, and she's a better best friend than old Julia Roberts' best friend last week, right? I liked Julia Roberts' best friend. 10 times better. (laughs) But, I mean, we're still kind of in this, like, heartfelt moment. So, it's New Year's Eve. Um, Bill Pullman and, and Meg Ryan are dancing and this is where we kind of get the plot point of let's organise, like, we're going to go to Valentine's Day in New York we're going to go to the top of the Empire State Building. So the film, is it a fair to remember? Is that the... Yeah. So the, Okay. Um, Cary Grant, whatever it is. When you... I, I think I, when I went there, I'm pretty sure I sent you some King Kong stuff, but when you go to the Empire mm-hmm. State Building, there's, like, this whole section before you go to the observation deck. It's got, like, the history of the building and everything and there's this big room where they basically show all the films that are like, it's like you see the, you know, the building being blown up from Independence Day, King Kong. Then you see an affair to remember, you see Sleepless in Seattle. Like it's kind of, it's, it's great. Like it's my favorite building in the world. I love the Empire State Building. 
Um, but so she's there with New Year's Eve. You've got uh, Tom Hanks with the kid and he's fallen asleep and he's having like a little moment out in his little house and looking at the fireworks. I love Tom Hanks's house, by the way. I, I want to live mm-hmm. in that house. And just this little moment where he's got like the flashback and he's talking to old Pam Bouvier here. Pam Bouvier. Uh, Pam <laughs> from The Simpsons. There she is. <laughs> uh, Pam from License to Kill, Ben. Um, you got the name right. It is Bouvier. It is Bouvier. Why am I? Yeah. Saying, hang on. Who's Bo- There's a Bouvier in the Simpsons. You think it's a, there is? Yeah, Marge it's Marge's maiden name. And yeah. Oh, Patty and Selma, Pam, Bo- right? Okay. Yeah. Why do we Patty, t- Pam. It is Pam. Okay. Do we ever talk about? You're that? the one who actually. You're the only one who likes that movie. You can't remember it. But name. for some reason, I'm saying I'm saying Pam Bouvier, and I'm thinking like Patty Bouvier. So I'm thinking it's like the yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, but I, I mean, she's. I don't. I, I know you don't like license to kill Timothy Dalton, but I don't know if we really t- outside of me bagging out a short haredness. I don't know if we talked about her because she's in other things, isn't she? She was on Law and Order for years. What was and uh, she was in a League of the, League of Their Own, the TV series. Maybe that's what but, she played. So Dottie, she played Dottie in a League of Their Own, the TV the series, old one or the new one. Six- the, the original one from the 90s. Because they've remade it, haven't they? There's like a newer yeah. league of their own out at the moment. But I swear she was in... Actually, you know what's funny? I can see her playing that because she does kind of remind me of um the one from a league of their own who was in Point Break, who was in um mm-hmm. Free Willy, her. But like, she played the Gina Davis role oh, did in she? Oh. the TV series. Right, yeah. okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, But no, she's got like... I mean, she's in two scenes, Um, but I mean... Do you like her better in this in License Kill? Dumb question. I know the answer. Oh, yeah. She's not getting in bar fights in this and randomly changing her hair and getting jealous uh, at the end of the movie and have blinking fish as she jumps in a pool. Yeah, th- everything she does in this movie is better than License to Kill. You think Timothy Dalton would have uh, done a good Tom Hanks in this movie? You know? No. <laughs> Steve Hartwell would have, though. But- oh, don't call it. No. <laughs> Beautician in the By place. He's still alive. No. <laughs> one <laughs> uh so uh, tom hanks is an arc I'll, I'll i'll let you i'll i'm just gonna I've, i said two and a half hours so we're just gonna we'll get to the we're nearly halfway through the movie colin so you know this is where it won't take long it's just all the steve hartwell news in the middle it's it's very distracting so he's an architect by the way so he's getting flirted to here by an old woman here who wants to like get the house redone um he walks home uh in the rain because seattle um we, we haven't had that David Hyde Pierce scene yet, have we, where he's like, it rains 90 days a year. Um, he, this is where we find out, though, that he's got all these letters and his son has, like, given his address to the radio station and it's kind of cute. And, like, again, he's not ready to date yet, so fair enough. Um, and this is the scene that Chip Douglas in The Cable Guy is watching in his van that I know from because, like, as soon as he starts yeah. talking about, like, you know, the dates and the pizza and all that sort of stuff and the sex and the scratching the hands on the back. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> how do you know that? Cause he's, cause you know, I went to Jim's house. He's got cable. Like that's the scene. I'm just saying this right now. Here's another weird, co- we're, we're doing so many weird connections here. So this movie connected to the cable guy, because Jim Carrey is watching a scene from this movie in the cable guy last week, the montage with pretty woman is parodied in dumb and dumber when they're doing their get their makeover scene. Jim Carrey, well, very influenced by romantic comedies. I, I thought you were just going to uh, call the connection of they have like the Cary Grant movie that they're watching on TV in this. And the last week, I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, one of the things that Vivian's watching on TV is um, the Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn movie, um, Charade. 
oh, which was uh, from the 60s. So oh. we got where we're basically Cary Grant and Rita Wilson are the stars of this month. <laughs> it's not and Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan or Julie Roberts. Well, here's the other connection because we've already mentioned it once in this episode. So let's bring up Deborah Messing again. She was watching I Love Lucy last week and then they did that really weird episode of Will and Grace in the reboot where they parodied I Love Lucy because Deborah Messing is actually a really solid lookalike to I Love uh, to Lucy Ball, Lucille Ball and does a really good impersonation of her. So much so that when they did that Nicole Kidman movie, everybody was like shitty that it wasn't yeah. Deborah Messing. Um, that was a really weird episode. I don't know why they did that. Um, but anyway, so random connection there. Um, and this is this is where like... It's it's sweet, right? Because like Tom Hanks again, he's like you know he's trying to work out if he's ready for dating and all that kind of stuff. And I think though, uh, the the bit though where it's not sweet is again old Meg Ryan emotionally cheating on Bill Pullman because she's laying in bed and what she want to do? She wants to go and listen to Sleepless in Seattle again. Now, again, it's horrible, but at the same time, it's you. They do it in a way where you connect with her. Right. Like this is that emotional, like the, the whole premise of this is she wants that movie love. Like, mm-hmm. we, I mean, I'm, Colin Block, your ears, you don't want what I'm about to say, but <laughs> most normal people with emotions want that movie love, that, 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 you know, connection, that feel, that vibe, that love, that sweep you off your feet. You're addicted to a person. Like it's just normal people with emotions are listening to this right now. They understand what I'm talking about. Colin is looking at me blankly. Um, but, it's and that's where you connect with her as a character and that's where i think it's written very well with that connection to an affair to remember because it's kind of like you know the way they do that and you can do that so much in movies when you can like pay homage to a movie and kind of do it like when you do it i mean this isn't subtle but it's done in a way where it almost feels subtle if you know what i mean like they're clearly mm-hmm. referencing this movie and clearly ripping off yeah. the ending and all that sort of stuff but it's done in a way where it like it works so anyway uh i'll i'll just go here maybe to the um, – where will I go here? Well, I'll go to the sad scene where um, – I'll go to where Meg Ryan's about to stalk. That's that's halfway through the movie. Um, so this is a David Hyde Pierce scene. He's only in this for like two scenes. Um, mm-hmm. So was he a thing before Frasier? No, no. Okay. I think that uh, this and Frasier were like the first things that anybody had seen him so in. We had a big year. Good, good for you, Dave. I like David yeah. Hyde Pierce. What a man. Um, so Meg Ryan's all like, and by, by the way, David Hyde Pierce is her brother in this film. Uh, so she's all like, am I crazy? Like I'm falling in love with a guy on the radio. And then I do kind of like this, this Colin is David Hyde Pierce. It's like, when you got married, were you happy? It's like, no, she said she'd break up with me. Otherwise we'd have to get married. So we got married. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost my opening line. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically like, you know, and like, it's, it's kind of like, this is the cuteness of Meg Ryan, right? She's kind of like, oh, she's like quirky and cute and she, on paper, she's a bit silly, but then she kind of like, oh, it's 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 cold feet, you know. It's cold. I I, I want to marry Bill Pullman, but it's just cold feet. Like you had cold feet before you got married, didn't you? And he's like, yes, I did. And then like <laughs> you leave it at that. Like I love how they kind of leave that open ended. Um. So anyway, Tom Hanks is talking with his work colleague, talking about having all women are into sexy. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner, the Rob Reiner. There he is talking about sexy butts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they're having a beer and it's like, oh, when did you last date? And it's like, oh, the Jimmy Carter administration. Like, well, things have changed since then. <laughs> Tiramisu. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't, what, what does that mean? Um, I love how here when he says like, oh, things have changed. Nowadays, like uh, you split the bill. Now, as a single man in 2023, I uh, just want to point out, 
Uh, if this is a thing, can somebody inform me? Because literally every time I go on a date, I always have to get the bill because it's that awkward moment of like, oh, we could split it while she's like on a phone going, oh, yeah, we could split it. Thanks for paying for my food. I'm never talking to you again. Um, so <laughs> maybe it's just me. Um, maybe I need to order tiramisu. Um, and it's actually food, Colin. It's not a sex act, by the way. You can Google well, that Well, it's one. funny because that's that's kind of the joke. I, I feel like that's one of those underrated jokes where it's like you have to pay attention to get it because Rob Ryan is trying to tell him about it and Tom Hanks keeps referring to it yeah. as a thing. Like, and, and can, can I learn how to do this? Yeah, that's my point though. Like you are Tom Hanks in this bit, right? Yeah. Like anyway. Um, so this is where... <laughs> underrated, hilarious character in this movie is daughter from Volcano. Uh, whatever the yeah. actress's name is. Did you recognize her like from Volcano? Yeah, well, Volcano, but also the uh, the John Candy, Macaulay Culkin movie, Uncle Buck. Ah, that's uh, if you ever saw that. I've seen that movie. <laughs> God, I've thought about the movie in years. Unlike Bill Pullman, who I thought about 17 times since you said that word. <laughs> but I love this moment when he just comes home. Like, What's the kid's name? Sam, right? It's like, uh, no, Tom Hanks is Sam. Sam is Tom Hanks, yeah. Jonah. Jonah. So it's like, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Comes the, and they're in like the men in black chair. And it's sort of like, Dad, did you know that if you play this backwards, but that says Paul is dead? Uh, what song is that? Which Beatles song is that famously on? Uh, I, I think it, I don't know what song it is. I think it's like from the, the, the White Album. I think it might be. No, um, Maybe. I'll look it up. Yeah. It was... uh, oh, and I'll also look up is Steve Hartwell. Please do. Well, that. My heart. My heart. <laughs> um, but I love this kind of moment where like they spin around. It's like, Dad, did you know if you play this backwards? Uh, and then I love that like, this girl, the, the daughter, she's, she's very forward thinking this girl this girl like created tech speak because she's just like h and g it's like what hello and goodbye yeah. it's like dad close the door and then kind of he's just like okay and then he like leaves the door again this is a dumb question to ask colin hilding because i think i found out only recently that he may or may not have had a girlfriend before jamie but like generally when you're a teenager and you bring somebody over the opposite sex over to your house i don't know if your parents were ever like keep the door open colin a dumb question <laughs> Don't ask that. Get Jamie on. She'll understand. Um, they might have been having sex. Um, but I just kind of like the way that Tom Hanks kind of like reacts to this, walks out, then he picks up the phone, very dated. He's got like the spinny file effects, calls up this designer woman who somebody mentioned that he should call up, who is the worst. She's the worst character in this movie. I hate that woman. She's annoying. Um, meanwhile, Rosie O'Donnell and Meg Ryan are watching an affair to remember, which I'm just saying right now, sexist. Men don't get this movie. Let's do an affair to remember in a couple of years. Colin, we'll see if we get it. Uh, have you seen it well, before? Uh, no, I haven't. Jamie has it, though. Uh, but uh, they, they kind of have a spin on this, though, and you've got mail with the whole Godfather yeah, thing. Yeah, true. Touche, yeah, touche. But I, I kind of like this whole like back and forth where they're quoting it and kind of like it's, you know, you see the Empire State Building scene and everything along those lines. So they're doing the big setup. And then we get this really, like, sweet scene. So uh, Jonah's, like, had a nightmare and... Um, Tom Hanks rushes in and it's just kind of this sweet little scene where, you know, he's just basically like, oh, I dreamt about your mom. And then like, you know, I'm starting to forget her. And it's just, it's a sweet little thing. You're talking about the Oscar, like, you know, things there. There's a really sweet scene. Actually, I think it was the, the scene before this when he's like tucking him into bed and he's like, Jonah's like, oh, kiss Howard. Good night. I'm like, oh, like I'm not a dad. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, little, I want little Howard bear. Um, Let's cap it there because then they have like a bit of a standard romantic comedy moment where they're out in the street staring up at the sky together and all. Oh, they're, they're doing it at the same time. Um, yes. There you yes. Go. Uh, so minutes. scene one. 51 minutes. Uh, <laughs> scene one. 
the uh, the opening of this again, the first moment where it's like you probably have to watch the movie multiple times to get like some of the humor they throw in here that you're not meant to laugh out loud at. Uh, when Rita Wilson's going over like how to make the food, you know, you microwave this for five minutes and then and then all of a sudden she moves on. She's like, juice, you know how to make juice? And Tom Hanks just like microwave for five minutes. And she's like, OK, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is weird, though, that Rita Wilson, I think she's supposed to be like Tom Hanks sister. So like, yeah, was he going to bed every day with his sister? Did they they probably had conversations about that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to sleep with you tonight. You're or my sister Vince, now. Or is Vince uh, Garber? No, I think they, I think that Rita because Rita Wilson's the one who comes to visit them that they get all excited about. So I think it is supposed to be her as this, but maybe she's the wife's sister. I don't know. I don't think they actually say in the movie who she's supposed to be related to. Um, but uh, Rita Wilson, Victor Garber, like there's a couple that uh, you wouldn't have thought of, but uh, everybody well, needs in their life. I mean, in real life, it's not possible, but um, in 1993, it was because he wasn't it's out. It's a film, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, there, there's a whole bunch of funny stuff here when uh, Meg Ryan is taking Bill Pullman to the family's house and she's running through like uh, yeah, this, yeah. this person, this person, this is like Irene. You'll recognize her by the disappointed look on her face. Yeah. Uh, and then Bill Pullman not covering his sneeze. Like, for a guy who has this, this type of allergies, like, have the common courtesy to cover your mouth when you sneeze, Bill. Uh, but I, I mentioned how, like, uh, last week I I hated Bill Pullman. And some of Why? it has to do with this movie. It, like, I don't know. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. Now I, I can appreciate him. But part of it is that, that movie Spaceballs that he made, the Star Wars parody, which everybody still brags about as being like, this movie is a masterpiece. And I've always thought from the first time I saw that when I was a kid, I'm like, I hate this movie. <laughs> like I, it's not funny. Uh, Independence day, you know, he, oh. he's, he's to me in that he's just not Jeff Goldblum or Will Smith. Right. There's nothing wrong with him in the movie. He's just not there. What? Hang on a minute. Hang on. Back you think Bill Pullman up. is the, you think that Bill Pullman is the best thing out of the, that trio of leading men. I didn't say that, but like, I can't pick up the best of all three. They're all equally. He's the greatest movie president. Oh, he's better than Harrison Ford. Harris, not Harrison no. Ford. No, don't now, go there. <laughs> that speech alone gets me erect. Like, seriously, <laughs> that speech alone is one of the single greatest moments in movie history. I'm sorry that like that uh, Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, love you both, but nobody, you didn't have moments like that. Will Smith, welcome to earth. Sure. Uh, I Jeff Goldblum, just, must I, go faster, must sure, whatever. Come on, that bit. When he did that speech, Bill Pullman, right, I'm gay for Bill Pullman in that scene. Come on. <laughs> but also, like I said, I didn't see this movie when it first came out. You know, I saw this movie Casper. around the time you got mail. So I would have been like a teenager by the time I saw this. And as a teenager, if, if I was 11 or 12 when I watched this movie the first time, or if I was 24, 25 the first time I watched this movie, I probably would have been like, this guy's hilarious. I love this guy. But as a teenager watching this, you're like, this guy's sneezing all the time. He's telling bad jokes. Like you, you, teenagers just they 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 hate characters like this. And and I hated him in this movie, even though he is supposed to be the nicest guy in the world. It's like he's all supposed to be like lame. You're like you're supposed to be rooting for he's, Tom Hanks over you, him. You know who he is? Like I think he's playing the same character as he plays in Casper because he's the dad in Casper is a bit of a loser and a bit of a bumbling idiot. So like maybe they're connected. Casper and Sleepless and, in and Seattle. Like, this is where he does his job well. Cause I'll say I have the same feelings about Greg Kinnear, like having seen these movies around the same time. And I love Greg Kinnear, like Greg Kinnear. We'll talk about it next week. Oh, Oh, is Steve Harwell dead. What is no. the look of shock on your face? Even better. <laughs> Even better than Steve Harwell. Died? I can't wait to hear this news. So hang on. Sorry. I just had a red thought. I'm like, 
Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton ever been in a movie together? They have! In a movie called Brain Dead. Why have we never done <laughs> that before? From 1990, starring Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. There you go. I'm, I'm dying <laughs> to see it now. <laughs> hey, too soon. Leave Steve Arwell out of this. <laughs> Sorry, but um, like, come on, that's like a mind-blowing thing. <laughs> Who do you prefer, Bill well, Paxton but- or Bill Pullman? Bill Paxton, <laughs> hands down, Bill Paxton. Uh, I and again, I don't decide. mind Bill. Like, I, 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 I get Bill Pullman more now, but it, like with Greg Kinnear, it's very similar. Like, I was a big Greg Kinnear fan before he even started acting because he used to have a, a talk show that was on. It was basically Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien, and then Greg Kinnear. Did he have a talk and show? I used to love. love yeah, Greg he, he had the what later became the Carson Daly Show, which yeah, was like the, the late, late, late night show. But uh, I used to love that Greg Kinnear show, and then. He did as good as it gets, and he was amazing in that movie. I'd argue he's better in that movie than even Jack Nicholson or Helen Hunt. But then you get You've Got Mail, where, again, he's playing the same character. He's playing, like, nicest guy in the world, but he, like, he's a bit of a dweeb. He's, he's he's you know, kind of quirky and and not, not – he's he's the type of guy you'd want to take home to mom, but you're probably not actually excited to be with. You know, ben that's Waterworth. the point of the character. He's Ben Waterworth, right. <laughs> but – I, I appreciate this now because I see what a good job that Bill Pullman and Greg Kinnear both did to create characters that were so dull, you know, <laughs> so amusingly dull. So now I understand Bill Pullman at the age of, I don't know, 15 or whatever, when I saw this the first time, didn't get it. Um, but uh, I, I, I do love th- this guy. I don't know if it's supposed to be Meg Ryan's brother or whatever, like the, uh, I'm allergic to bees. Cause it's not just, he brings it up once it's like later on the conversation continues. Yeah. And then I'm also allergic to strawberries. And he goes, I'm allergic to bees. <laughs> and then there's the, the most hilarious part when Bill Pullman is doing this uh, uh, thing where he's doing like the, the baseball announcing, like the Lou Gehrig thing. Uh, it's like, I'm going to do me, me, your da, 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 da. And then he's like that Lou Gehrig movie. Uh, you have everybody laughing. Oh, yeah, the movie, the movie. And then this guy in the background says, baseball, this yeah. is a historical reference. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But this is, a, this is a weird thing, though. And maybe this is the joke. I don't know. But, like, everyone who is Meg Ryan's family is kind of like Bill Pullman. Like, they, that's why they get along with him. Is yeah. that meant to be the joke? That's the point. Oh, okay. I think that's the point. Like, But there's also this thing where she starts explaining the story about to, like, to her mom about – it, the oh he ordered the sandwich and I ordered the sandwich and we got the wrong breads because this entire movie is built around the idea of destiny which having never I, I obviously knew that was a part of the movie but not dissected it enough to make me think about the end of this movie more I'm like I'm gonna have some different feelings on the ending of this movie now because she's all about oh this is a sign this is destiny and this is kind of the example like the same things you see in Tom Hanks you're seeing in Bill Pullman it's just which guy you don't know one of the guys you actually know bill pullman uh but also i have a question about this this wedding dress thing because i don't think this is everything i this is uh, it's definitely a thing where you're like save your wedding dress and your daughter can wear it one day does any daughter ever want to wear their mom's wedding dress i don't think anybody does and you want to know you want to know why i'm married to jamie it's because of common sense like this because jamie bought a wedding dress and it hang in our hung in our closet and people were always like, you should save your wedding dress as a memento or for a daughter to wear one day. And James was like, my daughter's not going to wear want to wear my wedding dress any more than I want to wear my mom's wedding dress. Well, the difference so she sold it. My my experience with, with getting married is that my wife actually did keep her wedding dress and is probably good to use it one day because the one that she actually... <laughs> one day get to reuse her the, own the, wedding well, dress. The one that she actually bought to get married in, she never wore because we had a COVID wedding. So then she bought a different <laughs> wedding dress. 
to wear. Wait, 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 wait. Was the first wedding dress not COVID friendly or something? No, well, it was, it was, uh, without getting to the depths of Ben Waterworth's, <laughs> you know, personal life, it was more of a because we got married very quickly in a way. Like alterations weren't we, ready or was, something. So initially I was meant to get married in like a full kilt and a full regal and she got she got a proper wedding dress done. But then because it was, it turned into a like, you know, you could have 10 people as a little bit more of a casual thing. I got a different suit and she got a different sort of dress, which wasn't meant to be a wedding dress. I don't know why we talk about it. The point is my, yes. she, I can't use language I want to use. She's got a wedding dress to <laughs> slide off with someone else another day when she probably cheats on him too. Moving on. Uh, okay, so the scene where they're they're driving and listening to the radio show, like, again, to me, this is some of the best filmmaking in the movie because you get these long scenes that play out and you have so much going on in the background. Just when she's flipping through the channels, yeah. it's hilarious because, first of all, her singing along to this jingle bells, <laughs> she's like, jingle bells, and then she's like, horses, horses, horses. <laughs> I don't know what, you know, some part of the song, but she goes back to it again, horses, horses, when she changes the channel. Uh, and then you get, like, flipping through the channels, and, the subject of this evening's medical update is you and your spleen. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't really notice these things every time I watch the movie, but it's hilarious. Uh, and then uh, when she lands on the channel, I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> you have uh, uh, the Marsha Fieldstone. It's like, oh, and who are you? And it's like, my name is Jonah. And it's like, bleep. And like, you watch C-3PO. You watch your language. <laughs> but, like, you, 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 you screen these callers because he even said I had to give later on. It's like I had to give them my phone number in order to get on the air. So like it, it's it's the '90s. Maybe there it wasn't. It's a kid. It's They're gonna let replaced. a kid through. I'm I'm sure they would, but like, don't you think? Oh, is your dad gonna give consent to this? You know? Uh, no, but, but I, I get then, it. But like again, it's a kid. You let a kid. Through. Well, it, no, it is. I, again, like this is this is where I'm just dissecting the movie. Now I'm like, they're doing this because it's good for ratings, yeah. right? Like I'll people sure, want to yeah. hear this. But then the fact that Meg Ryan is bringing up all the complaints I have in my head, it's like, yeah. come on, leave the kid alone. It's like, like, oh, that. now you're just milking this. Yeah. Uh, oh, her being able to have all this dialogue is great. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the way that Tom Hanks plays this, though, where he's first upset and it's like, I promise your dad is not going to hit you, Jonah. <laughs> and then Tom Hanks basically explodes like, Jonah! I like the, well, the bit where she's like... What if like, this backfired? Well, I like the bit when it's like, uh, put your dad on the phone. It's like, I promise if um my my dad uh, yells at me, I'm never listening to your radio show again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, Dr. Marsha Fieldstone has no idea that this dad isn't just going to start slapping his son around in the yeah, air. Like, exactly. that could have backfired quickly. Um. But uh, yeah, the uh, the the conversation at work with uh, Rosie O'Donnell and the other guys, everything. That's the first time they dropped that uh, women getting, or I think it's just people getting married over forty. But uh, apparently, this was it was it was an article in uh, Newsweek uh, or the New York Times, one or the other, and uh, it was written in 1986. So I guess this was a, even in 1993, people remembered it. But it was years later after uh, it came out. Uh, where um, uh, I guess after this movie came out, they decided to retract it and say, so we were wrong years later. Now that everybody in these yes. movies are making fun of us for it. Uh, there you go. You got to, Ben, I'm telling you there's a chance. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell's great in this movie. Like, it, it, again, dialogue that just, you may not even catch it the first time around where uh, she's talking about, uh, oh, this guy could be a crackhead, a transvestite, a flasher, a junkie, and hex murder, or somebody really sick like my Rick. <laughs> and then there's a couple mentions of like Rick in this movie where I'm like, I kind of, I like these, like, so this is, 
Rick is basically like Maris or <laughs> from Frasier, right? Well, it's, and David Hyde Pierce's wife is like Maris from Frasier. Like you get these characters that they, yeah. you build this mystique about them, but they never appear. But it's, it's a bit of a typecast for Rosie O'Donnell though, because in the League of Their Own from Memories, and she's on the bus and she's got like a picture of like her boyfriend, and then like yeah, you know, it's just, she's just settled for some frumpy dude. And yeah, she's like, yeah, I know he's not good looking, but he's a decent guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I did want to mention on David Hyde Pierce before I forget. Uh, because the new Frasier series is coming out, Jamie and I have been watching a lot of Frasier, mm. which I think she she's seen some of before, but like not a lot. Like I watched all the show. Underrated but show. Uh, there's an episode, I don't know if you remember it, uh, where Frasier and Niles both meet two women and decide to take them away to a cabin for a weekend, but they don't know that if they're there for sex or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. And isn't that the one so, where like, isn't that the one where Niles hooks up with uh, Daphne for the first time? No, but it's it's the one where he hooks up with almost hooks up with Megan Mullally, which I thought you would have uh, found oh, uh, okay, interesting. Okay, right, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So, so basically, in the episode, uh, they're they're at this cabin. Like, do the women think that they're just here as friends, or are they here to sleep with us? And they come up with all these schemes, like let's mix our bags up and put them in the other rooms, and if they correct us, we know that they're not here for sex. And the whole episode goes where they're like, oh well. Let's uh let's put our arms around them. So they put their arms around them. The girls put their arms ba- around the back, but then they put their arms around each other. So it's like it's all about like oh we can't figure out what they want. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie or at the uh, near the end of the episode, they're like oh we gotta figure out like what do these women want? And then Megan Mullally all of a sudden is like I'm going to bed. You coming, Niles? And then it's like the audience gets okay. They're there for sex. And he's like. Curse these infernal riddles. What did this one watch? <laughs> like I lost it. Like I was almost in tears. I was laughing so hard. That was, that was, that was a um, genius casting then in the Simpsons when they did the episode with Sideshow Bob's brother and they oh, cast yeah. David Hyde. Like <laughs> David Hyde so clever. Well done, Simpsons. Yeah, you know, he's he's gotta appear at some point in the Frasier, but I, I looked up and like it, it is a completely different show. He's like yeah. a professor now in Boston and his son's gonna be in it. Like uh, his nephew, so Niles Daphne's son's going to be in it, so they're going to appear at some point, but it'll be a different show. Uh, I'm still excited for it. Uh, anyways, back to this movie. Um, e- you, yeah, Rick is sick. There we go. Rick's going to be in the movie. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, and then Meg Speaking Ryan is trying sick, to sell. Uh, Steve Howell's still alive. Sorry. All right, there we go. We're on hour two now. But uh, right after this, when she's Meg Ryan's trying to sell, like, oh, and Bill Pilpulman, he's he's really funny. And it's like, there was something really funny he said the other day. What was it? And then she's like, huh. And then the scene just says, because <laughs> she can't remember the funny thing yeah. that he said. It was really hysterical. Um, and then, then there's this line, too, about uh, it's really nice when a man can express his feelings. And then something like, it's so nice. I wish I could express my feelings. Like the two coworkers, again, like this back background dialogue you don't always notice. Uh, and, and then there's also this line here, uh, that, um, uh, when the, the, I guess, I think this is where Rob Reiner and the coworkers are trying to, well, what, what do you call that when all the, um, everything intersects exactly. And it's like the Bermuda triangle, <laughs> Tom Hanks trying not to get into it. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know if, if it was the scene or not, but yeah, Rob Reiner, uh, obviously he started as an actor, became a very famous director, uh, was the director of when Harry met Sally that Nora Ephron wrote and uh-huh. maybe Ryan started. So there's a lot of like calling in favors in this movie. You got Tom Hanks basically saying, put Rosie O'Donnell in the movie, put Bill Pullman in the movie. You got Nora Ephron saying, I'm going to, my phone is dinging there. Uh, is it about um, Steve Harwell? Is he alive? What, hang on a minute. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Steve Harwell, still alive. All right. Billy Garcia getting <laughs> back you, to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like I, I, I think that this is where 
you could have made a case that like Tom Hanks gets nominated for best actor more than anybody else in this movie. You know, uh, he deserves to get nominated for best actor because I, it, this movie has me, it's not having me question, hey, what if Jamie dies, you know? But I'm actually thinking like, this is a pretty realistic portrayal. Like if Jamie were to die, I'd probably be even more hesitant than Tom Hanks in this movie, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's just not something you can comprehend. Like, I think what 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 really clicked about me with this performance, it wasn't that Tom Hanks was this grieving. You could do a movie like this where it's a grieving husband. You could do a movie where it's like, this is your life. You got to go on with it. But it's just, it's not something that enters his mind. I'm going to date again. But but that, but this is where I think, yeah, like it's, it's that you connect with them and you like, if you've been through something of this nature that you can connect with that. And I think it's, it's a realistic portrayal for the most part, particularly when he's like reacting to like the, the therapy and things like that, because like, Often, like, we joked when, like, 007 or whatever it was, was it Noah or you was like, oh, it's been like a week, get over your dead wife or whatever it is. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like, it's, 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 but like, seriously, like, it's like in most movies and that, you just, they kind of move on, you know, that's why, like, yeah. the, the Ricky Gervais show Afterlife to me is, like, one of the greatest portrayals I've ever seen of depression. It's so accurate. Like, it's not this movie version of depression. Yes, this I'm, is a movie with a Hollywood ending. Like, yes, you could argue after 18 months, a couple of people tell him you should start dating. Okay. Like, and he, you know, like, I mean, he sort of does almost get over it, but like, mm -hmm. it's still a level of realism, like that. Yeah. You don't want to think of the worst with Jamie. Jamie's not going to die, Colin. Jamie's going to leave you. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, <laughs> sorry, as but soon as Keanu or one of the scars guys, brothers. Yes. But yeah, you know where I'm going. Sorry. Yeah, but but like I just I like that this is not what you expect from a movie because you could go the route where he's just depressed the entire time. He yeah. does not depress in this movie. He's living his life. He's normal again. This movie picks up 18 months later, but like you still have that sadness where you know he he has ghost Carrie Lowell that shows up, oh. uh, <laughs> ask him to get I in wish. a bar fight with her. Whatever. Steve Harbour will uh, come back as a ghost and visit me. <laughs> But even when he's on like the radio and he's talking like that, that, that speech about, you know, you just got to keep breathing. Whatever, it very much reminded me of like the, the speech he has at the end of Castaway where he's uh, talking to his friend after realizing Helen Hunt's gone now. Where right, he, he's like, yeah, amazing. Like people talk down on the third act of that movie because like the movie should end. It's like, no, the third act is the best part about that movie. Agree. We'll, we'll do that for Tom Hanks month. There's Can no we? question about Please. it. Um, but uh um, yeah, like you, you still get like this sadness with him, but it's more just about when people are saying you got to date again, you got to try to find a woman. He's like, I, I don't know if I want that. You know, yeah. he's not mourning his wife. He's just like, oh, it's, it's not something that even enters my mind. Like, it's just, it's, it's a different portrayal. Um, and it happens. Yeah, it, I, it literally happens. This is what happens when you lose a partner in be it dead or otherwise, like it's it, like, it's it's just that human nature and I'm not disparaging it, but like it's, it's people always have that same response because it's humans don't yeah. know how to act. So they're going to say, Oh, you'll move on. You'll find someone else. Like it's just, it's cliche stuff, but like, yeah, you're right. Like Tom Hanks is kind of like, well, maybe I don't want it. And then, and like, mm -hmm. this is the thing, like, sorry to jump ahead and sorry to keep interrupting, but like, it's like, it's literally like what we said with pretty woman last week where I would have been okay with them not ending up together. And it still would have been a good ending. I'm saying this right now. I almost would have been okay if these two didn't meet at the end. It's kind of like, oh, well, they kind of almost had their chance, but yeah. Tom Hanks is just like, no, I'm fine. Like, it's it's the That's castaway a, ending. Do the castaway ending, yeah. Like, it's literally like you don't expect it, but, like, you kind of sometimes need the swept away ending. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's, yeah. Anyway, sorry. 
I'll shut up. The uh, the scene though, brilliant scene where Meg Ryan uh, gets up in the middle of the night and she's mm. going back. Like the whole thing is done in one shot, which I n- I've never yeah. noticed until now. This single shot in the kitchen where she's listening to the best of the 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 Marsha Fieldstone show, which I like some of the other clips they show, like the one about uh, every time I'm kind of close to an orgasm, he gets up to make himself a sandwich. <laughs> Look that one but, up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like this appearing on like their best of, like I, I, I do wonder like the other clips they're playing, like this is probably not like a one time thing. Is this that big of a deal where, this can't be the first single guy who's been on the show where they're getting like 2000 letters. Like I, I feel like this movie doesn't sell enough why this would be a big deal, especially since we get this best of compilation on the show. Yeah. Uh, but still it's, it's a good hook for a movie, you know, uh, like, like the scene where Meg Ryan comes in and those other women at the diner are listening to the episode. They're like, Oh, this guy's amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, everybody kind of has the same question. This movie you should be having in real life. Like what if, he is a psychopath or a rapist or whatever. And then you have the exact same conversation Tom Hanks has later on uh, with, with Rob Reiner or with Jonah. I can't remember which one. Um, yeah. You know, have you covered the scene here with the cute butt? Yeah. I covered like the first half of the movie. Okay. So, so uh... <laughs> yeah. Where Rob Reiner is talking about the yes. cute butt is how's mine. And it's like, it's not bad. And it's like, Oh, is it cute? I don't know. Are we grading it on a curve? <laughs> And this is where they start talking about Cary Grant. I love Tom Hanks here. It's like, well, Cary Grant, like, well, like Gunga Din is like, well, Gunga Din's not like a swatch kind of movie. <laughs> this is like very, I almost feel like this isn't probably the, hey. oh, breakfast time. Thank you very much. And a drink. Thank you, Remy. Did you make this, Remy? Oh, look at it touching your cheek. No, I said, did you make it? Not did you take it? I don't want you to take it. Make the most of that love, Colin. It'll happen one day. <laughs> They always leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I, I, I'm kind of confused just trying to get where we're at here. The 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 woman, the date he goes on, you're at that part? I'm up, no, just before that. I'm up to Meg Ryan stalking on the computer. Okay, so when she's stalking on the computer, I don't know if you caught, like, when she finds, yes. <laughs> I know too, Remy. It is sad about Steve Hartwell. Yeah, just get the the dog food. Yeah, I know. Don't oh, worry, dog, Steve dog, Hartwell will dizzy, always dizzy. live on. Dizzy, dizzy, <laughs> dizzy. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, so yeah, when when she's narrowing down the search and well, she I finds like the talked the fourth thing, yet I'm up to that scene. Okay, but... well, I'm gonna talk about it now and save you some time. Uh, the fourth one on the list when she gets excited when she's like in jail. Can you talk too? Come here. What do you want to say? We got which one? Hello, Remy. Hey, Remy. Oh, Remy, what do you want to say? Um, you're big and strong. I agree. You are big and strong. Is oh, it a yes, winner? I fixed your. Is is okay? Do you want to show this? This what is this? Oh, Bruiser Mirrors. I fixed it. Yeah, I really I should do video it episodes. It is yellow. Go, okay, it is. I yeah. agree. It yes, is yellow. I fixed it. So you know, this is why I. I my camera was last week when I mentioned it's maybe yellow. It was off air. Yeah, Ben's yellow too. Look, uh, yellow. When Remy had broken the spoiler off of Cruz Ramirez, he says, oh no, it's all my fault. And we actually had to tell him, it's like, Remy, most of the time that's true. This is one time where it's not all your fault. <laughs> I know it's all your fault. Go upstairs now. This is uh, anyways. This is again, we need to do video. Bye. Colin tries to father. Uh, <laughs> every time. Uh, again, you anyways. never see the dog. You only see the fucking children. <laughs> you saw the dog on you 007. You dragged the dog down. <laughs> Dog doesn't like the stairs. 
anyways, uh, yeah. So when they're they're talking over like the the uh, date and everything, and then Meg Ryan when she's on the computer, she's got the two where she's like, oh, a hard pass, and then she sees architect or whatever. But the fourth one on the list is current world record holder Javelin Toss. I saw that, yeah. Like, why doesn't she try to track that guy down? It could still be him. Yeah. To a, me, that's the guy you want to date. He's a big tosser. <laughs> no. What? No. Is he dead? In Seattle. Did he die? Steve Hamill did? No, no, he's not dead yet. Oh, uh, God, my heart. Jamie likes Sleepless in Seattle. She says that's a good one. Jamie, who do you prefer, Counting Crows or uh, Smash Mouth? Jamie, Counting Crows or Smash Mouth? Counting Crows. <laughs> she laughs wow. at Counting Crows. Who would you rather die, the lead singer of Smash Mouth or the lead singer of Counting Crows? <laughs> is it from the song that sings that song on Shrek? Yes, it's a Shrek Does she know? Does she know? <laughs> Colin, update her on the news. Yeah, the guy from Smash Mouth is dying. Oh. He's like on life support like he's in hospice. Wow, should we just move the whole family down here while we record? <laughs> DZ, DZ. All right, continue on with your second half of the movie. Um, I'll just do the second half. Um, so the, the 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 okay, so like I'm a journalist, unfortunately, but like I have never worked in a newspaper office where I've got access to like a stalking database. Like, I mean, I guess that's Google today, but like, I mean, like, like what is this thing I've- she's using? I I just got to pause it. The way you said newspaper office or something, the business office. <laughs> Oh, business office. Oh, can we do Shazam again? Um, Shazam or Sleepless in Seattle? Two totally different movies, but I mean, I, I love Shazam, but uh, which one is better? Sleepless in Seattle. Which one would Ooh. I rather watch? Shazam. Controversial. The better movie, but the one I'd rather watch, Shazam. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd still go and Shazam for both. Um, you know, why not? Um, anyway, I, I want to know what this this is this bloody uh, database that she's got. Um, But like, again, this is sweet. I get why she's doing it. She's totally a stalker though. She's heard this guy on the, like, like I thought once you heard him on the radio, you were going to hear him more than once. She literally heard him for five minutes on a radio station. Now I have watched movies and TV shows in my life, and I'm, I'm, why am I saying this, Colin? He doesn't have feelings. Like, and I've literally gone like, oh my God, she is so hot. Or like, I really love her character. Michelle Trachtenberg. When I was like nine or 10, the first like celebrity or whatever I ever remember feeling like, oh, okay, what is this? Was Harriet the Spy. Again, I was younger than her when I watched the movie. I did rewatch Harriet the Spy in the last 12 months. I did not have the same feelings for her as a grown man of like 11 year old Michelle Trachtenberg. Anyway. But back when I watched that movie, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, so this would be the same as me. I'm going to stalk Michelle Trachtenberg. I'm going to write her a letter. Like, I mean, I wish. Uh, you know, I don't know what she looks like now. So she's still great. Not, not that looks matter. Um, I mean, look at Colin and Jamie. They're both very attractive people and they love each other. You thought I was going somewhere else with that. But the point is, she's a stalker. She's basically funny. And then she literally contacts the cops, which did I miss a scene here? Like, she says later on, like, oh, I saw the picture of him and I saw the picture of him and his, like, girlfriend. But we never see her get that information. Or did I miss something? Yeah. Well, you see that she hires the private investigator. You see the private investigator yeah, take the picture. that Because that's why they have the curly hair to look like Rita Wilson's. But you don't see her opening it up and being like, oh, that's him? Oh, yes, I would go Do you go think there. there's, like, a deleted scene or something? Or um, I, I'm going to look up and see if there is. Like, I mean, I honestly, like... Meg Ryan's very lucky in this movie, just not just because of Tom Hanks and Bill Pullman, but like 
Like, what if this guy looked like me? Like, do you think she's going <laughs> to run to the Empire State Building and, like, you know, like, based on one phone call? At least with mm. You've Got Mail, they've had, like, months and months of talking on the internet. Like, yeah. Again, like, I'm not trying to take away from what this movie is because, as you said, it's a fate-based movie. It's feelings, whatever. I'm saying this right now before I forget. Based on our little uh, criteria last week of think about love movies where the couple gets to the end, are they going to stay together for the rest of their lives? This movie, it's a no from me. This couple is not together in a couple of years' time. Controversial? Do you agree with that? No. That That's one of the things that I thought about was um... – because after Pretty Woman, I'm like, I think they are together 30 years later. Uh, with this one, I think the, the biggest problem with it is that Tom Hanks, he would be with this woman forever. Um, Meg Ryan, nice. she knows nothing about the man. Cheetah. We already know that she has just looks for signs and looks for fate and everything. She's gonna get cold feet. Here's somebody else on the radio. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking down. Gonna hear Ben on the radio. What are you listening to the radio? No, turn it off, Meg. <laughs> And this isn't me saying that, like, oh, Meg Ryan's character is going to sleep around. Like, oh, the woman, she's the worst. This is just legitimately, you dissect these characters. This woman is, we don't have enough evidence to believe this woman's going to be with this man for the rest of her life. We have enough evidence to think that Tom Hanks would. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. And in all seriousness, like, Tom Hanks is going to get, like, triggered when, like, she's listening to the radio because that's all it takes. You know? She is the Taylor Swift. Like, it's just kind of like, I mean, Seriously, who could, I mean, not that you'd ever want to date Taylor Swift, it's Taylor Swift, but like like literally right tomorrow, if Jamie left you, oh, I'm sad, I'm Colin, Taylor Swift rocks up. Oh, Taylor Swift, all right, let's go on a date. Like, she'd written like 800 love songs about how every single one of her exes is a dick. Like, I mean, yeah. how could anyone literally, and I'm, I, I, I do not like Taylor Swift, but like, I'm asking a legitimate question. How could anyone date her? Like, how mm-hmm. could you? Red flags all over the place. Anyway, um, and that's how you bag out Taylor Swift. Take Taylor Swift. Don't take Steve. Like, come on. I'm talking about overrated singers. Taylor Swift's up there with a bullet. Um, she's a stalker. She's getting the cops. Whatever. And, and, like, again, as a journalist, I can't contact the cops and go, hmm, I've got some details on this person. Can you find them? Or is it, or is it minority of the cops? He says a private investigator. Am I? Yeah, it's a PI. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I've never dealt with a PI before. Are they real? Do they exist? Or is this just a movie thing? No, they definitely exist. Oh, you know, do you think you got Jamie? I know my, my, I remember my mom hiring one once. Oh. Uh, not, not to, oh, there's a story not to stalk a man, but well, there's a story. I won't get into it. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a Patreon episode. Good, good um, segue into teasing there, Colin. Well done. Uh, all right, so she's stalking. Uh, we meet the babysitter for the first time because uh, Tom Hanks is going out with his date. Um, I, I like if there's a loose like I don't know is it a criticism or not? Like Tom Hanks basically will go out of his way to meet Meg Ryan based on the feelings of his son because he l- doesn't give a shit about these letters. The son yeah. is all like oh, my God, Dad, read this one. And he's just kind of like, oh, I don't care. I'm going out for dinner. He's out for dinner with this woman. Who's the worst? And then basically the son rings up and is all like, hey, Dad. And he's like, seriously, you're ringing me for this? Fuck off, you little shit. Hangs up. And then basically the kid becomes a bit of a pest for the rest of the movie. He's like, Dad, Dad, this woman. Like, Tom Hanks is just like, dude, I'm not reading these letters. Like, this woman sent me a picture of her boobs, but I'm not going to, like, go and see her. Like, and basically 
it's all connected because it's fate, I guess, because he sees Hot Meg Ryan get off the plane and Hot Meg Ryan on the on the tarmac. But like, anyway, what was that? Isn't there a John Cusack movie where like they go, like they're getting on an elevator and they're like, it's fate if we both get off on the same floor, we're gonna serendipity. Is that okay? Right, yeah, yeah. It's a bit good si- movie. Never seen it. John Cusack, bring him back. Let's do. Uh, yes, let's, please. Let's do. Um, Forget Bill Pullman. Make hey! John Cusack. Yeah. No. Never forget Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman over John Cusack. Get fucked. <laughs> um, right now, they've knocked on your door. Who are you going to hang out with? John the- John Cusack. No. Oh, I was, like, seriously, th- th- there were a handful of actors, like, growing up in the 90s that I, like, I would watch everything they were in. You know, Tom Hanks was one of them. John Cusack was another. I love John Cusack. I mean, Gross like, Point Blank. Both been in Roland Emmerich movies, but, I mean, you know, like... You want you want the greatest couple of the night. Forget Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. John Cusack and Minnie Driver. Gross Point Blank. Mini they Driver. need to make another movie together again. Has Minnie Driver and Bill Pullman been in a movie together? <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a movie right now. Bill Pullman, Minnie Driver. Uh, yep, Minnie Driver. No, sadly, Minnie Driver was in Sleepers with Billy Crudup, who was in Too Big to Fail with Bill Pullman. Has Bill Pullman been in a movie with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Hang on a minute. Has Steve Hartwell done any songs on a Bill Pullman soundtrack? Kevin Bacon was in live in front of a studio audience in All in the Family and in Good Times with Jesse Eisenberg, who was in American Ultra with Bill Pullman. Um, oh, damn. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that's, I guess, like a slight criticism because what Tom, what is Tom Hanks going off? Like, you know. Um, also, baseball criticism in this movie. Uh they're Chicago Cubs fans. I know they live in Seattle, so like, hey, let's root for the same team. But like, bit of a jumping on the bandwagon, Tom Hanks and, and Jonah Hanks. Because why is he now wearing a Seattle Mariners tee? Like, stick to your team, kids. The Cubs are still going to visit you in Seattle. Uh, you've been to Seattle, haven't you? You liked it. Yes, cool. Yeah. Um, great city. Um, so we meet this woman who is... Why does everyone in this movie look the same? They've all got that weird curly-haired perm. And I'll, does it annoy you the whole time in this movie? I think Tom Hanks needs to brush his hair. Like Tom, Tom Hanks, you think Tom Hanks has the same hair as Reed Wilson? Well, well, but they got that like it just it's I guess well, it was the nineties. With these women, it's, but but with this woman, his girlfriend or whatever, and Rita Wilson, it's literally because they want to have that thing where Meg Ryan thinks this is the girl that I saw from behind in the private eyes pictures. Okay, but 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is Tom Hanks's hair is messy in this movie, and it just annoys me. Like like this is a movie, Tom. Do yourself up. Like it's the he, grunge era, right? The Seattle. This is this is Eddie Vedder and and <laughs> Kirk Cobain and Chris Cornell. <laughs> when, when this uh, date woman showed up, I thought it was um, Leah Thompson. <laughs> I was like, Leah Thompson's in this movie. Um, I don't. Who is this woman? She's annoying. I don't like her. I, don't, I mean, I guess we're meant to not like her, but I mean. The woman in I, You've Got Mail is better than this woman, and she's also annoying. And we almost had her in this movie. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, oh. Yeah, so Barbara Garrick, who was oh. in Days of Thunder, The Firm. She, she had car? two Tom Cruise movies. Okay, forget about saying th- this woman is a goddess because she did two Tom Cruise movies in only three years. Tom Cruise. Uh, I don't know who she was in either of those. <laughs> Tom Cruise or John Cusack? Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, she was also in Jumper. Who was Ellen in Jumper? With Hayden Christensen. Tom Hanks, Hayden Christensen, Tom Cruise. Come on, this one, we got to get her on the show. Was she in a movie with Pierce Brosnan? Um, she was in a movie called Couch in New York. Did she play with, Couch? Uh, 
William Hurt. <laughs> you got Hurt on the couch. Oh. Miami Rhapsody with Antonio Banderas and Sarah Jessica Parker. She's been in everything. What's her name? Uh, Barbara Garrick. Let's see if she's been in a movie with Kevin Bacon. Barbara <laughs> G. Barbara Garrick. Yeah. Uh, no, she hasn't. She was in uh, A Couch in New York with Richard Jenkins, who was in The Tender Age with Kevin. Oh, I want to see a movie called The Tender Age with Richard Jenkins and Kevin Bacon. Sounds fun. Who wouldn't want to see that movie? Um, I was literally, I was about to do the dumbest thing ever on this podcast, Colin. I was about to say, I wonder if Kevin Bacon's been in a movie with Bill Paxton. Now think about that. <laughs> and it would be great as if Tom Hanks was in that movie. Can, Can you imagine Gary, Gary Sinise, Ed Harris? Oh, it took me a while. Why have we not done Apollo 13? That's two hours well, it was- of Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon and Bill Paxton in a tight, confined space. But like, but like, when Bill Paxton died, and we spur oh. the moment said we got to do a Bill Paxton movie, it was between Apollo thirteen oh, and Twister, and so I, I think it came to, it came down to two things though. It came down to I think we'll have more fun talking about Twister, and the other part was we'll get to Apollo thirteen at some point down the road. <laughs> well, I mean, we said that about romantic comedy, but now both of those movies were in my top fifty. I'm pretty sure I had Twister higher. Um, uh, uh, Apollo thirteen was uh, definitely higher in mine. Did you have Twister in your top fifty? I don't think I did, Colin. but I mean, Apollo 13, I think was like in my, Apollo 13 might've been in my top 10. You know, Apollo 13, if I went through my top 50, is probably the one movie in my top 50 that I had not watched in a very long time. Um, I need to watch Apollo oh, 13. Great film. Do it. Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton. I would do it in a two and a half hours. <laughs> We're 35 minutes ago. I'm confident. Um, yeah. What are you talking about? I'm hosting. When you're hosting, it's a different thing. I just thing. have to go to the bathroom. Go. <laughs> I can hold it. Can I can go. hold it. <laughs> hold it. Hold it. Hold it. <laughs> We ain't bobsledding a cup here. Oh yes, we are. Um, cool runnings. Remember we did that movie? Great movie. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, John Candy. See, why did you take John Candy? <laughs> it's not fair. Take Steve Harmon over John Candy. No, no. Yeah, yes, yes. Thank you, Ben. I wonder if John Candy would have still been alive today. He was quite old back then, wasn't he? Um, no, I think he was actually quite young when he died. Canadian Bacon. There's a movie we need to do. Um, so. He's on a date with this terrible woman. Don't like her. Don't care if she's been with Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> most men have. So uh, <laughs> Jonah's sneaking around. He Jonah's a smart kid. He knows that this woman's terrible. She's just annoying. Like, ugh, ugh don't, don't like her. Uh, the babysitter, though, loved her. She was great. She's my favorite random character, even though she's the worst. <laughs> um, so the kid is on the radio, though. The kid is basically all like, oh, my God, my dad's like seeing another woman. This, like, psychiatrist is kind of like, well, is your dad not allowed to see other women, kid? Like, you I know. That was the whole point of your first call to us. Exactly. So she's actually a good doctor. Good for her. Um, I love it when, like, Bill Pullman wakes up here. I'm just looking at the scene. You're just kind of like, <laughs> You've got the humidifier and everything in the background. This is right. Rosie O'Donnell going like, it's on the radio. It's on the radio. So we kind of have this, like, connected scene where they're, like, in closets and screaming and seeing spiders and What's um the, the you talk about like the subtle comedy or whatever it is? It's like when uh Meg Ryan's all like, oh, it was it was Rosie O'Donnell and Rick's like being a dick or something like that, and oh, she heard someone on the radio and thought they were in like Bacampsy or something like that. I don't even know where that is. And I love Bill Pullman's just like North Dakota. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, so uh, this is where Meg Ryan kind of goes to Rosie O'Donnell and he's just basically like, hey. You know that story I wanted to do on dating? I kind of want to do that story. And she's like, well, you should definitely do that story. 
it's a great newspaper. that's like, hey, have a free trip to Seattle. Um, so she's off going to Seattle. Lies to Bill Pullman. I'm going to Chicago. Liar. <laughs> Liar. Um, and then for whatever reason, old Goldilocks, Boldilocks, Tom Cruise fucker is getting on a plane as well, which is never really explained. Uh, she, he's been on like two dates with this woman and he's taken her to the airport. Um, what is this, Casino Royale? Unrealistic time frames. Um, and then we kind of get like this moment where he like sees her like walking off the plane. Now again, Colin Stalks won't, her. Well, like I, Colin won't understand this because again, he just, oh, Jamie, she'll do. Like I've been <laughs> in airports and public situations where I'm like, wow, she is attractive. And like literally to a point, again, most people with human emotions would have seen someone where you're like, wow, okay. But like, I never stalk someone. Like, I mean, and plus I'm like a wimp. I like, I legitimately cannot go up to women and talk to it. I'm like Raj on the big bang theory in the first few seasons when he could not talk to women. Right. Like it's literally me. And like, if I see someone who's attractive, I'm just going to like start following. Like, it's 2023. I'm not allowed to like, that's like, yeah. that's borderline rape. Isn't it? In 2023. Ask Ben Powell, Benny on the line. Um, But I like these jokes about Ben Powell and rape. It's funny. Um, But <laughs> And speaking of shit, Max Dawson. Uh, it's been a while since we said that. Is he alive still? Steve Harlan killed Max still Dawson. Alive. Fucking take him. Um, anyway, in the airport, it's a moment of like fate, love. So what? what is Meg Ryan's end game with this part right now? Like this is where I thought like this is where this movie is going to take a turn. Like she's going to pretend to be a reporter, get to know him, you know, write a story. Like and... Let's be honest, in a modern day romantic comedy, that's what they would do, right? Like, you know, mm. it's kind of, that's what they would be doing. Yeah. But it, they then like, she shows up to his house. She automatically knows that the one boat that's driving around must be them. And this is where, again, it gets confusing that we, like, I feel we need the scene where she gets the envelope with the photos from the private investigator to go, oh, okay. Because like, I'm here going, well, how does she know that's him? Like, mm-hmm. because we haven't seen her look at the photo. So that's where I was a yeah. little bit confused. Um, but she's obviously like seeing him and it's all like, oh, oh, he's so sexy. It's Tom, Tom Hanks. Another thing that this movie does well, which is the, the relatable thing, which I'll say pretty woman kind of did, but differently is that again, no disrespect to Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. These aren't your knockout like hunks or your babes, Mm -hmm. right? This isn't the notebook where you're selling this on, oh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, he's so hot. And even Rachel McAdams, you know, like. It's not sold. I mean, even Maid of Honor, it's Patrick Dempsey, like fucking McDreamy, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, like I mean, Pretty Woman, you would argue, well, Julia Roberts, whoa, Richard Giff, whoa. But, yeah. like, but, but then, like, Notting Hill, like, Hugh, Hugh Grant was never, like, he was sexy not because he was hot, it was because of his personality and charmingness, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's Daniel Craig versus Pierce Brosnan as Bond. Like, one's hot mm-hmm. and cheese grating, the other's Pierce Brosnan. Um <laughs> Anyway, so then we've got this, like, scene where she almost gets hit by a truck and then you um, – because, like, she's about to walk up to Tom Hanks. Like, hi, I'm Meg Ryan. I'm stalking you. Um, and But then old bitch face McGee shows up here from a little trip away. Uh, and then they kind of have this weird moment where they're kind of like, hi, hi. You think she gets hit by a taxi, um, big yellow taxi, counting crows. But she doesn't. Then she goes back <laughs> to Baltimore. Um, she kind of tells a story and then this is where like Rosie O'Donnell is like connecting it to a fair, an affair to remember. Like she replays the scene and she's kind of like, look, it's, it's so connected. It's so connected. Um, there's a dinner scene with Tom Hanks and Victor Garber and Rita Wilson. Um, what even is this scene? I don't remember this scene. What am I thinking? That's the through? dirty dozen scene. Oh, 
Oh, the crime. Men don't get an affair to remember. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Victor was he when was he a thing because of Titanic and then Alias, or was he always a thing? Um, no, I, I feel like he just slowly got bigger and bigger. Uh, oh. but I don't, I don't know whether it's time of sleep. I don't know the time is. No, he actually started. No, this is interesting. He started in the seventies with this oh. movie called Godspell, which was like a big musical. Didn't do anything until Singles, where he. No, that's an uncredited cameo. Singles. It was another Seattle film. Uh, yeah, literally sleepless in Seattle after like twenty years of, I guess, working on the stage after having his big movie debut. He has sleepless in Seattle, and then he starts making a bunch of movies. But oh, uh, Victor he. Gala. Victor Garber is amazing. I mean, he's 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 Canadian. He's oh. Jennifer Garner's dad. He in real life married Jennifer Garner. Um, well, Vic, he's also got a, a TV show that's uh, he? on here in Canada. Wait, right what? Now, which is quite... Yeah, yeah. He's I, I guess he's ordained, and oh. I don't know whether it was. Uh... I thought you meant like. No, he didn't actually get married to her. He he performed the ceremony. <laughs> oh, that would have blown my mind. Rita Wilson Whoa. and Tom Hanks played brother and sister and went home and banged. But Victor Garber and Jennifer Garner, that's totally different. Very Tasmanian of them. Um, <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway. Um, Bill Pullman or Victor Garber? Victor Garber. Oh. oh Victor Garber is like top level man. Victor Garber or Bill Paxton? Oh, now that's getting tough. Uh, Bill Paxton, Victor Garber, or John Cusack. Oh, uh, John Cusack. John Cusack or Kevin Bacon. You're gonna hate me, no! John Cusack. <laughs> Sorry, I get Kevin Bacon to myself. It's fine. Um, so <laughs> you have a Kevin Bacon number of two because I've got a Kevin Bacon number of one. Can I just say that you have you a go. Kevin Bacon number of two? Uh, suck it, Noah. You're not on this episode. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, by the way. Um, so, um. They have this weird moment. They connect. Cool. There's a dinner scene. Um, girl from Volcano. Um, she's not the one in the scene. With look at their faces. They're all the same. Is she holding that kid? Is she the she's one? She's holding the kid. Oh yeah. god. Um, <laughs> Ruins it. She, like she ages a lot in four years. Like yeah. She's like what? Like eleven in this movie or whatever. Like she's like wanting to be sixteen. Like she she gets mm-hmm. old quickly. This this actress. Um, mm-hmm. So. Anyway, and like, again, the the weird hairstyles in this movie. So she's on the couch. She's crying, oh, fear movie. Oh, I love this movie. And they're trying to like plot their whole like thing about going to New York. When the mum rocks up, I'm thinking this is the woman Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Hanks is dating. They look the same. <laughs> is that racist? They're both white women with curly hair? Like, I mean, are they not the same person? Did you not get that as well? No. No, but I can kind of see what you're you're saying now. Um, But, but again, like the dynamics between the children in this movie are good. These are good children actors because like, they're like they're good with each other. What like am I again? Am I missing something here? So the mum says something like, "Oh, like stop eating popcorn or whatever," and then she goes, "Hmm, I'm going to book a flight." Like, is this because she a travel agent or something? Did I miss something here? Yeah, I think both of the parents are supposed to be because she says at some point, um, uh, or I think it might have been Jonah who said at some point, you know, whatever the character's name, Susie, you know, her parents are travel agents. Right. Okay. Um. Which oh god, then I love the the the, the dated references about like ah oh, plane. I don't know how to do this. And what is, does she go on about like oh I'll say you're like twelve or something like that. Like oh, I can't pull off a twelve. Just a, oh I'll, I'll put in the special request that if um they'll they'll don't, don't mention your age. <laughs> they'll comment that you're short, but you're offended by it or something like that or yeah something like that. Like are there special comments if I book a plane? Can I say don't comment on you know him being 
him having a cute butt. <laughs> he really takes offense to it. I worked in a travel agency for two weeks and it is like not as great as you think it will be. Um, but it's, uh, not, it's not my big fat Greek wedding great. No. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not really a thing anymore. No travel handsome ag- men coming in. <laughs> tra- travel agents are kind of dead now, but um, as in the, the I mean, if you're a travel agent, you're listening to us and you're alive. <laughs> they went the way of Steve Hartwell. <laughs> oh, is he alive? Um, um, anyway, so... They book a flight. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the whole trip to New York is happening. So this is where uh, Meg Ryan is basically like, "No, I didn't. I didn't talk to. Her. I'm going to stay with Bill Pullman because I'm a smart woman." Um, so she's off to New York to meet up with Bill Pullman. Um, and it's the the clicheness of the New Yorkness of it's. Oh, we're going to stay in the plaza and we're going to go figure skating in Central Park. Um, the plaza is a gorgeous hotel, by the way. I've not been in the inside of it, but I've been outside of it a few times. Um, it just always reminds me of Home Alone too. The plaza. Credit card, you got it. <laughs> um, and Central Park, like, go to New York, Colin. When I move there again, uh, hopefully in a year or so, you're welcome to visit me, but it's a great city. You need to go there. Um, does, does Jamie got, like, would she like to go to New York? We we talked about different places to go, and one of the places that we planned a few years ago was, oh, it'd be cool to go through Philadelphia and then go into New York. Um, I mean, it's not like something we're dying to go to, but it would be cool. I mean, close. I, there's definitely a lot to do there. Yeah. 90 minutes from each other. I think that's no disrespect to Philadelphia. I was there for like a day and a half, but um, not a, I mean, it's, it's all about the Rocky location. It's funny so, because uh, there, there's a, there's a marathon every single year, which is the Rocky run. Mm. And it's actually like Sylvester Stallone is one of the, the sponsors of it or whatever. Uh, but uh, you're, you're like start and stop at the Rocky steps and, I've gone through all the filming locations of all the Rocky movies. And for the most part, it's like, I'm going to be going to areas that like, you probably shouldn't be there without <laughs> an armed escort. But I'm like, Oh, but I get to see the Rocky the, 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 where Rocky, you know, uh, was living in the slums. And, well, I did it. And- I ran up the stairs. They actually like, Honestly, I was expecting them to be steeper. Um, <laughs> but I ran up. I did the whole, like, thing. Um, just saying this right now, controversial. I don't know if you're listening to us in Pennsylvania. Message us in. Pittsburgh, much better city than uh, uh, Philadelphia. Just saying. Uh, much more pretty. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, they're in New York. They're in Tiffany's. They're not getting breakfast. Huh? Um, is that a good movie? Never seen it. I think I saw it once. I, I know Jamie's a big fan of it. Okay. Um, so they're talking about uh, places. This is why Bill Pullman's such a great guy. They're like going like, oh, don't hate me, but I think I want this pattern. He's like, that was my grandma's pattern. It's like, how many yeah. should we put down? And they both say eight at the same time. They're like, oh, these two. Or ten, yeah. Ten or whatever. Eight's too few, twelve's too many. <laughs> Correct, yes. Um, but like this is where like Bill Pullman's such a nice fucking guy because then he pulls out a ring. They're engaged and he doesn't have a ring. I mean, a bit slack there, Bill. Who are you, Colin? But then, like, all of a sudden, it's just like, this was my mother's. And then it's like, I had it resized for you. And then, like, just even she's just like, oh, if I had to pick any ring in the world, this would be my ring. You're like, oh, these two. Oh, good luck to you as well. Bill, like, this is why he got Gina Davis. This is why he got uh, Amy Brenneman. Uh, this is why he got, insert actress's name here, who played the dearly departed first lady in Independence Day. Uh, I liked her, actually. She... One thing I'll say about Bill Pullman that makes him a better president than Harrison Ford, he's very presidential. And the first lady was very first lady is sure. I don't know the correct terminology for that. But um Oh, Wendy Crewson's very first lady is I didn't say she wasn't, but Harrison Ford and Wendy Crewson, number two. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bill pa- Bill Pullman, better president. All right? 
He oh. flew a plane. I know it, technically Harrison Ford flew a plane under duress, yeah. but did he blow up an alien spaceship? <laughs> no. He beat Gary Oldman. Did he? Uh, did Bill Pullman's jet get hijacked when he was flying it? No. That's a man <laughs> right there. Okay. No, his planet just got hijacked. But he saved the planet. <laughs> And Harrison Ford saved the airplane. And then he still let the Georgian guy go from prison because he caved into Gary Oldman, the pussy. Whereas <laughs> Bill Pullman, that's all we, that, there's our excuse to do Air Force One Independence Day. Just choose four, like, and we rate the presidents, right? So, like, who are, like, we did Danny like Glover. Kevin Klein, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, Gina Davis in Commander-in-Chief. It's a TV show. <laughs> um, what other movies? I'm thinking of female presidents. Has it been many? Glenn Close? Glenn Close is in Air Force. She's better vice president than Harrison. Morgan Freeman, Deep Impact. Is he number one? No. Three. When he saves the planet. Well, he, he serves some of it. But, but if, you, if you remember Deep Impact, though, like he's like he's not a major, major character. He's only really got like a few, like he's not, you don't really get to know the personal side of him. But right? he's so presidential. Like that's yeah, the no, thing. No, is you're that right. When I think about all those guys, he's the one where I'm like, this guy would be president. I've not seen like the Battle of the White Her- White House down and the um mm. the other one. Isn't he a president in one of those as well? Um, yeah, no, oh, he's in one of them. I don't know if he's president. What are they? White I'm House actually down looking. And Aaron Eckhart's in the other one, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Aaron Eckhart is president in White the White House Down series. Right. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the best movie president. I literally uh, Google that. Nich- is this movie where Jack Nicholson? Oh, Mars Attacks. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And Glenn Close is the his guy wife. from. Sh- I love that they've got the guy from Sharknado in here. Oh, God. <laughs> There's really not a lot of great Isn't movie presidents. like presidence. Tara Reid But actually, you say that. Glenn Close. When's Glenn Close month? Oh, my God. Like, what a woman. But, like, she is the first lady in Mars Attacks. She's the vice president in um, Air Force, Force One. one. Yeah. And Natalie Portman's in that. Why have we not done Mars Attacks? Um, so this the, the top five on here is Kevin Klein and Dave, Morgan Freeman and Deep Impact, Number three, Bill Pullman. Ah. Number two, uh, the president in Failsafe. I think it's Henry Fonda in Failsafe. And the number one, Harrison Ford, Air Force One. We, Thank I, you, Movie Web. But, like, I, in all fairness, I think when we talked about Dennis Haysbert in 24, and, like, it's it's hard to actually find greatest TV presidents. But, like, mm-hmm. I think I talked about the fact that when you look up the greatest movie presidents, generally, like, the top couple is always, you know, Bill Pullman and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying Harrison Ford is a bad president. I like Harrison Ford. He's a great president in the movie, but I'm I'm sorry. I'm Team Bill. I'm going to wear a T-shirt that says Team Bill. And that backs up me for uh, True Blood as well. Uh, what have we got? Uh, 18 <laughs> minutes. So, um, did Tom Hanks ever play a president? No. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um... So they're in New York. This is just where, like, you get why Meg Ryan is like, oh, you know, whatever. But, like, break up with him before this. Like, he's so sweet. Like, oh. Um, Tom Hanks is going to go off and fuck this stupid woman. I love this scene, though, like, the fight between him and Jonah. We're basically like, Jonah's like, oh, what about Annie? And he's like, no, I'm going to go off and be with this thing. And they're just kind of like bickering. And I loved <laughs> I really wish I had written down when he's like, Tom Hanks is like, well, I'm going off and I'm going to get laid because not many men in the 90s are getting laid and I haven't got laid that much. Seven or maybe eight in college. And then he said, how long have you been standing there for? A long time. What did you last hear? <laughs> it was about seven or eight times. Yeah, it was seven or eight times. And Jenny Smith, <laughs> like nine. <laughs> oh, it's a fun scene. Like 
Uh, this is like a different type of chemistry, but good dad and son combination. Rank your favorite yeah. dad and son combinations in movies. Good called combination. Good casting here. They've done a very believable I mean, uh, father and son. I was going to say, why do presidents always have daughters in movies? Air Force One, Independence Day. Because you more Dave sim- have a daughter and Dave. <laughs> Is it because you're more sympathetic with like a feel like serious question? Like, I mean, Maybe, I'm not sympathetic towards the girl in Air Force One. Like every time I watch them, I'm like, oh, just I kill her already. Had, Get over it. Dave, Wendy, Cruisen, kill the daughter. I had a mad crush on that girl when I was a kid. Um, the uh, uh, there was a movie with Katie Holmes called The First Daughter, wasn't there? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And wasn't there? Wasn't there? That was another one of those weird battle offs. There was another presidential daughter movie mm-hmm. as well, wasn't there? Like two? Was that Carrie Russell? Was she? A- presidential daughter or am i thinking of a different curly haired actress from the 2000s kirsty alley <laughs> oh. they're all curly haired it was rita wilson it was barbara garrick <laughs> why'd you take kirsty alley from us <laughs> too soon uh first daughter who was the boy in that first daughter the main actor was that mark Blucas. mark Blucas. oh yeah he's a good actor michael keaton was a good president i think i've seen that movie wasn't Channing Tatum in one of those first daughter movies? Uh, I'm, I'm looking up. Somebody says movies like First Daughter. Uh, you have Chasing Liberty. Yeah, Chasing the President's Liberty. Daughter. Yeah, that's yeah. The and then one. there's The Prince and Me, which is not that's, President. I don't. Well, think. that's uh, loosely based on the uh, the Tasmanian that woman and, who married the the King of Denmark. Um, yeah, so. that and What a Girl Wants are like the, the two movies oh, similar to Amanda Bynes. I was a big crush on her, and she went crazy. We're starting to get Ben's type as teenage girls. <laughs> we already knew this. Oh though. no! As a teenager, I liked teenage <laughs> girls. I just haven't grown up. Um, so I had a giant Hillary Duff poster on my wall. It was great. Lizzie McGuire movie. I loved that movie for five minutes when I was sixteen. Um, anyway, so Jonah sneaks on a plane. He's flown away. There are no snakes on it. Snakes um, on a plane. <laughs> You and I are connected by fate, Colin, when you... <laughs> we just need to create, like, a, a, a interconnected universe, right, where, like, <laughs> just, like, little kid gets on a plane and it's connected with snakes on a plane or Air Force One. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that would be great. Um, so, anyway, so Tom Hanks is like, oh, my God, where's my kid? Uh, seriously, can we just talk about the babysitter for, like, two minutes? Who is this girl? Like, she shows up. She doesn't give a shit. I think the one word she has in this movie is Jonah. Because <laughs> she shows up, knocks on the door, and Tom Hanks is like, do, 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 I'm going off to get laid. It's like, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. It's like, Jonah, Jonah. She literally is just like, Jonah. <laughs> like, is this actually an actress or is this just like some Kurt Cobain stoner wannabe from Seattle who just wanted on the set? You, you're Nora the babysitter. Ephron's daughter. <laughs> like, she's so, like, do you like this girl? I just think she's hilarious. No, she's great. Uh, I'm going to look it up right here to see uh, who she is and if she's been in anything else. Amanda Marr uh, oh, plays Clarice. Clarice. Hello, uh, Clarice. <laughs> what else has she been in? She's been in Sleepless, literally only Sleepless in Seattle. So this oh. must be just like the daughter of somebody involved in the movie. I mean, like, just great. Good for her. Again, she just walked onto set. She didn't even know she was in a movie. Jonah. <laughs> Uh, so Tom Hanks runs over to um, Girl from Volcanoes movie. <laughs> Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked, but there is a connection point to this. I keep saying like little girl from Volcano. I we talked the other uh, week we about the um, the Kim Bassinger episode when we did um, uh, 
No, uh, not No Time to Die. Never Say Never Again. Never Double Say Never Again. Yeah. Like We're talking about Kim Basinger. We talked about the Simpsons episode with Alec Baldwin. I watched that episode after we did that thing. And at that, I always forget that is the episode where Homer at the end, it's like, Homer, you are banned from coming within 500 meters of any celebrities. It's like, doesn't stop my prank phone calls. Hey, old lady from Titanic, you <laughs> <Yeah>. sing. <laughs> and the other line from that one that I always forget that I used to always quote was a kid because he starts off the episode where he's having the dream about him as Yogi Bear. And he's like, hey, boo-boo. And he's like, you know, he mauls Ned. And he like wakes up and like, dad, 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 can we go to the lake? Can we go to the lake? And he's like, no, we're not going at 5 a.m. And he falls asleep. And he's like, Magilla, gorilla, gorilla for scale. I don't want to go. <laughs> and it's like, you just killed Ron Howard. Ron. And the bit where it's like, when he, go, when he goes to the store to buy all the specialty items. And it's like, oh, you even yeah. got my Oscar polish. And Alec Baldwin's like, you're um, you're rubbing it too much. You'll destroy the polish. It's like, when you win one, you can. <laughs> What's that? It's like, I was a... it was like, oh, it's not like we've ever made a bad movie. And they all kind of like look awkwardly. <laughs> it's a really funny episode. I just love when he's got the shopping list. I'm going to need the following items, uh, which are completely ordinary. And he's like, shiitake mushroom. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 All right. We have none of those. What's next? <laughs> I'm sorry, Homer. These are very different from your usual order of, um, of <laughs> beef and Salted goods. <laughs> What's that episode? It's so funny. Uh, it's, it's about a boy and a robot who has a problem with each other for some reason. So, the these happy pie. days. The talking, did I mention it's it? It's psychic talking, as a talking pie. So, these happy days are yours and mine. These happy What's he Homer, most movie scripts are over 100 pages. Yours is 12, and half of them are just diagrams of the robot. <laughs> it's like, I love the way that his hands would like rub on his face to wake me up. Ha- a face? <laughs> 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 oh, God. Love that episode. I want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Baldwin. I'm Alec Baldwin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right now we're getting dragged into the tires of the camper. It's all up to me. <laughs> Ron, you killed Ron Howard. <laughs> and we're at two and a half. <laughs> we've got 11 minutes. Um, so anyway, we're going to play. I like the kind of like Indiana Jones style graphic. Of like the little dots going yeah. up and that. That's kind of cool. I knew you'd like that. Um, da, 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 da. um I love this little kid on the uh the airplane and is like, oh, can I tell that no? And so he's going off and oh, this this movie made me miss New York. So like he he rocks up and gets in the cab and oh god, the most fake thing about this movie is cab drivers who are nice and uh, know where they're going. Um but, oh, I didn't live in New York that long, but even I know that's bullshit. Um and so he goes to the Empire State Building and oh, one of my favorite places on the planet. Now, the first time I ever got engaged, I proposed on top of the uh, Empire State Building. True story. Um, and how did that turn out, Ben? Uh, so <laughs> further proof why Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan do not end up together at the end of this movie. <laughs> did King Kong and the girl end up together at the end of that movie? <laughs> no. Curse the Empire State Building. So he's walking around the uh, the building and he's going up to all the women. Are you Annie? Are you Annie? I just want him to be like, hey, Annie, are you Okay. <laughs> Um, Michael Jackson reference. Um, I worked with a girl called Annie once and I kept saying to her all the time, Annie, are you okay? And she hated me. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> that'd be so annoying. Um, so he's on top of the Empire State Building and I love like this aerial shot when they fly around and kind of there. And apparently, so I was reading that um, a lot of this was filmed in Seattle. 
they didn't really have movie studios in Seattle. So a lot of this was filmed on like a military base and they had to get like hangers to like recreate it. Mm. And they did film this at the Empire State Building, but a lot of the time it wasn't available. So a lot of this deck was actually like recreated on a soundstage. And having been up the Empire State Building multiple times in my life, this you can't tell the difference between the set and the real life one because like this, you know, 30 years later is still the Empire State Building basically exactly looks like that when you go to the, the top deck. Um He's hanging around. Tom Hanks is flying out there. Meg Ryan is the breakup scene. They're in this gorgeous room. They're at Rockefeller Plaza. That's uh, where NBC is at. Um, and then basically just this beautiful view. And Bill Pullman, he's so cute. What is he like? Oh, I'll have a Dom Perignon. What does he say? Like, I'll have a Dom. Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise. And the guy just sort of looks at him. He's like, And she's just like, it's a joke. He actually means <laughs> Dom Perignon. He's so me. That's maybe why I like Bill Pullman. He's just a geek and a loser and he makes stupid jokes. He should get a podcast. Um, <laughs> and... So he's there and then Tom Hanks is like on the plane and he's all nervous and then he rushes to the Empire State Building and finds a kid and it's uh, he pushes in front of a taxi line and he's a very, again, what a great dad Tom Hanks is. Like he doesn't yell at the kid, he just hugs him. He's like, oh, it could have gone wrong, but it didn't. And then Meg, like, like I get it in a way she's good because she breaks up with him, but like these are one of these cliches I hate in romantic comedies or romance movies when it's kind of like, the guy, like Bill Pullman, just such a nice guy. And he's just like, so he's at top of the Empire State Building. Is he right now? Oh, okay. Oh, uh, well, some things aren't just meant to be. And then she just sort of gets up. She's like, are you going to be okay? And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. He's throwing himself off that fucking window. Like he's in love with her. He's proposed. Like this is that the most unrealistic thing I hate about these romances. I think we talked about it in the notebook. Like James Marsden's the sweetest guy and – She's off fucking old thumb face behind a bat. Like, mm-hmm. okay, she didn't cheat on him on the aspect of she didn't do anything. Like, she's emotionally cheating. She's still after another guy. It's cheating. Cheating's yeah, cheating. She's, she's, she's taking a very expensive flight across the country to stalk a man. And in all fairness, Tom Hanks also cheating on his girlfriend because when he's walking out in this elevator with, uh, with Meg Ryan, old, you know, dopey face back in Seattle still pining for him. <laughs> um... Did he even bother to tell her I'm not coming to spend the weekend with you? She's just waiting right there. There's a sequel. Where is he? <laughs> Damn, I'm horny. <laughs> it's the uh, the Simpsons episode when he's got the braces and it's like trying to say I'm hungry. I'm horny. It's like, yes, yeah, like, you are hungry. Um, anyway, so she breaks up with him. Whatever. That's all. We've got seven minutes, Ben. It's, it's uh, wrong, but she leaves. And then we go to the top of the Empire State Building and, like, it's closed, but you've got a really nice uh, person to go up there. They miss each other, but she he's left a backpack and, oh, here's the romantic scene. A kiss is just a kiss the time goes by. Soundtrack was very successful. Went to number one in the, in the Billboard charts. There you go. Um, yeah. And, like, okay, two things about this, which I – one thing that I like and one thing which kind of shocked me. It's, like, I was expecting them to – I was expecting you've got mail. It's you. I wanted it to be you. And like, and they kiss and like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, this is where like it goes against the the realm in a bit of a pretty woman style of like, it's a bit of a cliche ending, but in a different way because like, this is obviously what the studios didn't want to do. Like, oh, they literally meet in the final scene. Like, we've got no reason for these people to be in love except for the fate aspect of it. And all they literally do is kind of grab each other's hand and slowly walk into the elevator and it's like, hi, hi, nice to meet you. Close the elevator. Ding, 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 ding. Play cue out Smash Mouth. Um, like it's <laughs> still alive, by the way. Um, somebody re-edit this movie with All Star playing at the end. Um, but like, 
it's what I'm trying to say is like, I like that it's different and I wasn't expecting this. I knew how this movie ended because I knew it was a famous ending and I'd seen the bit where they like meet and that bit before, but I expected there to be a kiss or I expected there to be like a flash forward or something. I don't know something, but then it just kind of ends and you're like, Hmm. Mm. Okay. But again, I would have been fine with them not meeting, you know, and like, I don't know. It's just, it's a bit unrealistic. I get all the things and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about fate. It's sweet. It's nice. It's whatever. And it's a different ending to what we're used to. So you've got five minutes, Colin. Good luck. No, I'm not doing it five. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's some really hilarious dialogue throughout this movie here, which, by the way, the original screenwriter, um, I, I guess, was replaced on uh, rewrites by both Nora Ephron and David S. Ward, who is an Academy Award winning screenwriter of The Sting, another movie that made my top 50, and also the writer and director of Major League a couple of years prior than this. I don't think I would have seen Major League and then assumed the same guy did Sleepless in Seattle, but he was involved in it too. But um, when uh, when he's on the date with the woman, which I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say she is supposed to be a character that you're not going to be sad that he dumps yeah, five minutes after the end of this movie, right? Jeez. But really... The only thing that this other woman does wrong is she has an obnoxious laugh. I mean, everything else about her is fine. You know, she's being nice to the kid. She's trying to win him over, even though he's quite rude to her. Um, the uh, She's making him dinner. Uh, I love the way a kid overreacts. He's like, she came with two bags of groceries. What is she moving in? <laughs> I love it when he's like, oh, the way you did potatoes was fantastic. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> we don't eat a lot of potatoes around here. We're more rice men. Ah! <laughs> Like, yeah, it's the obnoxious laugh that is supposed to be, like, the, the turnoff of this. But, like, he also describes this in a way where, where it, it, again, it makes the characters a little bit more innocent, where he says, I'm not marrying this woman. I am dating her. I'm trying her on to, for size to see if she fits, right? That's what dating is. I love that speech he gives at the airport kid. Um, I, I do love, though, when he's on the first uh, date with uh, with not Rita Wilson, with the back of Rita Wilson's head, where uh, Jonah calls him at the restaurant and he's like, Jonah, have you fallen down? Are you bleeding? Is Khalees there? Has she been strangled? <laughs> and then when he gets back to the table, he asks the woman, he's like, did you have kids? No. It's like, you want mine? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've used that a million times. Uh, <laughs> I legally but, uh, can't answer that question. No. <laughs> uh, but I love when Meg Ryan's on the plane and uh, that other woman, because again, they work things in. Like, Meg Ryan knows what she's doing is wrong. She, she has almost more guilt than your average person in a movie yeah. would do and almost more guilt than a person in real life doing this would do. Cause when she's on the airplane <laughs> yeah. and then that one was like, Oh, uh, don't you hate flying? And she goes, yes. And I've never lied like this in my life. And I said, flying, <laughs> not lying. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's really good because you, you set both these characters up in a way where unlike other rom-coms, you don't necessarily blame them at the end of the movie. And there's, there's little choices they make throughout it. Uh, her stockium is a little bit weird. Now, I added up, I said I was going to do this, I added up their combined screen time in this movie. It is four minutes, and that four minutes includes... Good Madonna song. A, a, is it a Madonna song? Okay, Justin it Timberlake. is four minutes and ten seconds, and I'm saying that extra ten seconds is just to separate it from Madonna. Uh, but uh, that includes about 30 or 40 seconds here. I think it's only like 20 seconds at the airport where she walks past him and he just sees her. That also includes the scene where she's stalking him and almost gets hit by a car and all he says is hello. Just including scenes where they are on screen together but not interacting, it's four minutes of screen time. The final scene is two and a half minutes. That's all they actually spend in the movie together. But like, you don't, it's it's not distracting this movie. Like you feel like these two characters are sharing the screen together. Like it is, it is a dual lead movie. It's done so well that there's a reason why You've Got Mail was made and that 
people don't often think about the fact that they only meet in the last scene of this movie because it doesn't feel like they do. Um, also, I think it helps that like you have what would normally be a phone conversation you have as he's on the radio and she's listening and she's responding like the way that opening scene in the car where she's responding to him and everything. Um, I, I, I love, this is the closest thing that you get to, uh, the rom-com misunderstanding in the movie is that she shows up, she sees Rita Wilson, but assumes this is the girl of the private investigator and, Oh, they're so in love. Meanwhile, it's his sister. Like I still kind of grown a little bit of that. If I had one complaint about the movie, it's like, do you actually need that? You know, that that just makes it a little bit more typical, whereas I think the movie could have worked without that little misunderstanding. Um, but you also have to have a reason oh, for wait. her to basically give up on being with him. Hang on. So this whole time when you've been saying Rita Wilson, so like the scene when she nearly gets hit by a truck, that is Rita Wilson. I thought that was the That's girlfriend. Rita Wilson, yeah. Oh, no, shit. no, no, no. That's Rita <laughs> Wilson showing up. That's why, <laughs> like I said, the, the private investigator only has the back <laughs> of the, the girlfriend's head. And then Rita Wilson shows up and it's like, it's definitely the same woman. Yeah, Sorry. but it's not. Yes. Brain frazzled there you because go. Now of you get Steve. It. Get See, it. here I'm saying, oh, I could have done without this. And Ben's like, that's brilliant. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> Bloody oath. Buy it now. <laughs> so uh, uh, this movie. Tom Hanks also has this line here about uh, all children being hideous at the age of eight, which is good. It's pretty true. true. Uh, and 36. The... <laughs> you're 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 hideous at 36 hideous at any age colin how old's casper casper seven so i'm looking forward to the hideous at he's been hideous for the first seven years maybe he'll be normal last at night oh my goodness last night was the most angry i think we've gotten at him we're we're we're, we're you know, getting ready for bed we're telling him you got five more minutes playing minecraft it is minecraft with like uh super mario skin right so it's super mario world in minecraft and we're like five minutes. Yes, daddy. Four minutes, Casper. Like, cause you have to give him a countdown. Yes, daddy. Three, two, one. Yes, daddy. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, I need to finish four worlds. Hmm. And I'm like, what? We don't know what he's talking about, but then it's 10 minutes later. Like Casper turn off. No three worlds. And we realize he's going through the different worlds in Minecraft, but he needs to find them first. And it went on for like half an hour. Eventually we're, we're just shutting off the TV. And then it caused a complete meltdown. He's screaming. He's like, no, I needed my four worlds. And I'm like, no, you don't get to you're taking advantage of us. This isn't right. <laughs> Seven-year-olds are hideous. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, what, the, the, the scene where they're talking about the dirty dozen. Like, it's amazing. And that scene, that was 100% improvised. That was one of the oh. trivia bits I read on this nice. is that they, they just sort of mentioned that like there's supposed to be Rita Wilson talking about, Oh, you guys don't get this, which is going to be fun when we get to the, the Godfather scene, which flips us uh, around next week. But uh, it was just Tom Hanks and Victor Garber being like the dirty dozen. They just start fake crying and quoting all the stuff in the movie, which is hilarious. Uh, you, you did mention the, uh, the other girlfriend in you've got mail who in that one, they do make her unlikable, but that the actress Parker Posey uh, oh. actually has a deleted scene from sleepless in Seattle. And the whole reason she was casting You Got Mail is because Nora Ephron felt so bad that she had to cut her scene because she was so good in it. Uh, I haven't been able to hear like all the dialogue because I kind of watch it as we're doing the episode here. But basically after he appears on the radio, from what I gather, Parker Posey shows up at his house having also stalked him and is like intensely flirting with him at the door. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, not ready to start dating. But hey, thanks for showing up at my private residence, you know? She's, uh, she's famous, isn't she? Like... She... Yeah, well, I mean, recently she played Dr. Smith on the Lost in Space TV series, which it took about three seasons of the three-season series for me to be won over on her. She was but, in a couple of she's episodes been of Will and Grace. That's probably what I'm seeing it from. Oh, that's what it got to be it. Uh, but, I mean, you've got mail a couple of years later. 
because uh, she wasn't famous or anything at Point Sleepless in Seattle came out, and Nora Ephron felt so bad she had to cut the scene that she basically wrote the role in Sleepless in Seattle specifically for her. So uh, we got she, another actor in it. She's um, apparently they're making a TV series of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and she's in it. So what? Yeah, Donald Glover <laughs> as John Smith and Maya Erskine as Jane Smith. John Turturro is in it. Why do they keep making like? Isn't there it's going to be like the true movie? lies. Yeah, I can't even watch that. I remember I watched the first episode of the Rush Hour one. It was terrible. Oh yeah, that one wasn't good. Lethal Weapon. Uh, the Lethal Weapon one, like it had potential, but then there was the whole thing about that that guy going crazy and getting fired from the show and replacing with Sean William Scott, which I like Sean William Scott, but he's not Mel Gibson. Uh, no. No. Anyways, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, when when Tom Hanks is getting ready to go on the 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 sleepover with his lady friend here, uh, again, some of that that like it's got to also be improv. Just it, it feels so Tom Hanks life when he's got these monologues where he's saying, uh, uh, you can sit here and watch Nightmare on Elm Street twelve or all the other things that I wouldn't let you watch. Uh, and then he says, uh, I, I don't want to hear anything from you. If your finger falls off, uh, uh, you, somebody drives you to the hospital, packs it on ice. And it's like, I don't want to hear about you being in some miracle laser surgery. Uh, the most absurd things that like only could come from Tom Hanks. But then this scene too, like you, you mentioned the whole thing about him, uh, seven or eight or whatever. But he also is, he's like, I like Annie. It's like, this is a woman who wrote a letter. Yeah. And it's like, uh, haven't you ever seen Fatal Attraction? The kid's like, no, yeah. you wouldn't let me. Well, I saw it. <laughs> I Get every man. Get <laughs> every man across America. <laughs> see, I've never seen that. Glenn Close movie. I've never seen it. I need to see it. I haven't either. But I got a laugh when Jamie and I were looking for something to watch last night, and it showed Fatal Attraction, like the TV series Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah. And I just started laughing. She's like, what? I'm like, oh, scared every man in America. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the little girl here, so I don't know if you remember Uncle Buck, but like, Basically, John Candy was like the only babysitter they could get to watch their kids on last minute's notice. And he's like the worst person to watch kids. Like nice guy, but like does not know, understand how to watch kids or whatever. Her and Macaulay Culkin like stole that entire movie. I think she just progressively, as she aged, got worse and worse. Because even in Volcano, like take out the whole look at their faces she's are all the same. in that movie. No, like I hated her. And I, I saw the movie like four or five times I in agree. theaters. Yeah, and like I can't stand her. Um, I don't know what she's doing now, but uh, it always reminds she was, uh, me. It always reminds me of the what is it like getting an getting a door frame? Isn't she like a real like snarky to tell you know what to do when there's an earthquake? Yeah, get in a door frame, dude. She is like the epitome of like obnoxious teenagers. Uh, but uh, yeah, here she's she's fantastic. Like the little abbreviations she gives for everything. Uh, the the whole Paul is dead thing. So I looked it up. It's, it's, it's a song called Are You Tired or something like that. Oh, okay. But apparently it's a myth. It's not actually what it's saying in the song. It's like the um, Led Zeppelin one, isn't it? When if you re, if you reverse um, Stairway to Heaven, it's got satanic heaven, language. Yeah. And the other one, which actually I've heard, and it actually totally is if you listen to it, if you rewind Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, it sounds like she's saying, sleep with me, I'm not too young. <laughs> like I'm not joking. Consent. There you, you go. <laughs> you can never unhear it when you reverse it, and it sounds like she says, "Sleep with I'm, me. I'm not too young." Since we're on The Simpsons, uh, how great is the the Lisa becomes a vegan episode with Paul McCartney at the end? Of it? In fact, if you play Maybe I'm Amazed backwards, it gives you a great le- recipe for lentil soup. Yeah. And then the end of the episode, they play Maybe I'm Amazed, and then they play the song backwards. But is it, is, is it The Simpsons or South Park where they have the um the boy band episode and it's like join the Navy now. It's like, nya, yep, nya, and it's reversed. It's join no, the Navy now. It's the Simpsons. Cause I know, no, the South park boy band one is finger, finger bang. You wouldn't get that. 
But um, it's no, the Simpsons one. It's like the Bart and Milhouse. They kind of become like the Backstreet Boys, and it's yeah, it's a U.S. military propaganda band. Um, yeah, the babysitter, like she's been in nothing else. Uh, this is the Brilliant. only movie she ever did. She probably wasn't even meant to be an actress. Uh, but uh, the, the the best part here is when he realizes Jonah is missing. Jonah, Jonah, where are you? And you just hear her go, Jonah. Yeah, <laughs> Again, that's the bit I said. The yeah, child that you're watching is missing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the the other unsung hero of this movie that's just really hilarious for, and I can't even pinpoint why is. Uh, the the girl, the Jessica is her name. Uh, Jonah's friend, the Uncle Buck volcano girl. Where her, her, they're basically trying to get out of her. It's like, where did Jonah go? And then he just comes up with like his hands on his. Jessica, this is your father. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> did she not know who you are? Does that seem like a dad thing? Like a Thor? This is your father speaking. Yes, I know, Dad. What's the bit when is it him when like he, when she goes like, and why? like oh it means no worries like that's nw <laughs> yeah nw but then, then then the other thing where it's like uh uh oh he's on the 529 american airlines to new york and the dad just goes that's at 5 20 p.m <laughs> <laughs> traveling he just immediately knows it's my heart <laughs> he's, he's um curtis from 24 <laughs> yeah he's I love this guy. Um, you do wonder though like again this is a movie but would it have been a lot easier at the point he he's on the airplane, but at the point where he finds out, it's not like they've landed yet because they do that cutting back and forth. It'd be a lot easier to just call up the airline and say, listen, on flight 520 that lands in New York at this gate because the travel agent knows it all, yeah. there's going to be a boy. He does not have parental consent. Stop him at the gate. You know, <laughs> it's so much easier. Colin. You, the, the I biggest, don't understand that. What was this language you're speaking? The biggest dated reference of this movie is the fact that there's an unintended backpack on top of a major US landmark that goes left behind post 9-11. Yes, a suspicious fucking, bag. A fucking kid. He's arrested. He's a terrorist. Again, <laughs> terrorist. Foreshadowing this movie. Terrorist when you're 40. Um, speaking of dated, like I think there's certain movies that are immune from being dated because of the style that mm. you make the movie in. Like I've mentioned this when we did the Truman show, uh, the, the movie Andrew Nichol made basically as the makeup for, we're not going to let you direct this movie, but here's $40 million to do whatever you want. The movie Gattaca. It's a futuristic movie, but like he filmed that where everybody's dressed in like fedoras and trench coats and like the architecture all looks like something out of the fifties. And it just, it gave it like this timeless quality. It was like, it doesn't matter if this, the technology ends up being dated one day, this, because this movie looks like a fifties and it's kind of similar with this. Like, yeah, there's things that are dated about this movie, like listening to the radio, you know, or uh, the the getting on the airplane without the parental consent or leaving a backpack. But because everything about this movie is meant to feel like a 40s or 50s movie, including the soundtrack, which yeah, brilliant movie. I, I'm shocked when you said that this uh, went number one on, on Billboard. I'm not saying it's not a great soundtrack, but like this isn't the type of music people were listening to in 93. I just I always remember speaking of radio, there was a uh, radio back listening to the radio in like the mid 90s. Uh, the one of the local uh, morning shows here, uh, they they did this thing after Christmas where it was a re-gift party on the radio. So basically, somebody would call in and say, "This is something I have that I don't want. I would like to re-gift it." And then another caller would call in and say, "That person called in with this, and I'd like that." And somebody said, "The Sleepless in Seattle soundtrack." They wanted to re-gift, and this was like a rock station. The guys were like, "The the, the Sleepless in Seattle? What's on that?" They're like, "I don't know, like Harry Connick Jr., Natalie Cole." And it's like, and people listen to this. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people did because it went number well, one on Billboard. The, the, was it the is it the Celine Dion song at the end got nominated for an Oscar? Is that what got the original? Yeah, song? it did get a, this got like Oscar nominated for the screenplay and for the song. 
uh, which I think I don't know if it won for the song. It, it mm. lost the screenplay, the piano, so it lost to both. Jurassic um, Park won best song, did it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Weird, Weird Al, Al Jurassic no, Park song. Um, Bruce Springsteen won for Streets of Philadelphia. Oh yeah, that's that's an obvious one. Uh, Tom Hanks had big soundtracks that year, uh, and then not to mention the next year, Forrest Gump, even bigger. Well, two songs uh, but, from uh, Philadelphia, Canadian Neil Young lost. Neil Young had a song in Philadelphia, Philadelphia from Philadelphia. Music and lyrics by Neil Young. So there's Philadelphia, and then there was Streets of Philadelphia, both in the movie Philadelphia. Aww. Is Philadelphia Freedom on there? Hang on, I'm offended here. There was a song from Beethoven's second that was nominated, and it didn't win. Be- oh. wait, Beethoven's second got an Oscar. The Oscar-nominated films of Charles Grodin's career, and Beethoven's second is one of them. <laughs> it's not even the best of the Beethoven movies. <laughs> it's second. Uh, <laughs> we're making this Charles Grodin month suddenly. Uh, yeah, so... The breakup scene, though, this is really important because it's not just that she breaks up with him beforehand. Like, that's important. Um, screw you, runaway bride, with <laughs> the way that you handle the guy in that movie who's also nothing wrong with the guy in who that movie. Who plays that guy? Who's the, who's the nice? Is it James Marsden? Or? Oh, no, it's a guy who's in um, uh, one of those Law & Order shows. I think it's the SVU. He was, oh. like, on Law & Order SVU. Hang on, I legally... Uh, and he was in this... Hang on. I've I'm... seen him in something else. Sorry. Oh, good. Legally go. had to play it. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, 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 when you do these movies, like I still struggle a little bit with how easy going Bill Pullman is here. I was like, well, it's oh, just not Chris meant Maloney. To be. Yeah, yeah, he's the he other guy in Blood as well. Like him. Yeah, and I felt bad. I mean, I love Richard Gere, he's but like, SVU. he's, Maris- he's Mariska Hargitay's main person in that. I like him. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, but, and he's he's a likable guy in Runaway Bride. He's a little bit dumb, but he's likable. It is an amusing scene how he gets dumped, but it's like, ah, eh, it's also just not right when you do this in these movies. But to me, it's not the fact that it's like, oh, she does it beforehand. What makes this work is the fact that she doesn't believe that Tom Hanks is going to be there. In fact, she doesn't even plan to go because yeah. he even says, so what are you going to do? Go to the top of the Empire State Building now? And she goes, no, no, I, this wasn't. She basically says this wasn't about this. This just helped me realize you're not the one that I want. And even when she gets outside, it's like she's in the cab and she sees the building. She's like, well, maybe, you know, and then when she shows up there, she still doesn't believe it's a thing because she's basically locked out. Oh, sorry. The observation closed. Oh, uh, you know, I was supposed to meet somebody and I guarantee he's not there, but I'll just be kicking myself. if I don't at least look like if they had done this and she believed he would be there, then you're more annoyed with her. But I accept this because she in, there's like a less than one percent chance in her mind that he even shows up. I, look, you, you, you're selling me, Colin. You're making some very solid points. Um, but the thing that I think is kind of funny, just on a random tangent, is when this guy is basically like, an affair to remember, yeah, it was my wife's favorite movie, <laughs> off you go. Like, again, having been to the Empire State Building, when you go to these places when something really famous happens, like this guy isn't just going to be like, oh, sweet. Like, he, he's at 50 times a fucking day. Like, I, I mm. again, seriously, I proposed to Louise on top of the Empire State Building. You would think a public display of engagement in a place, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, look, they're getting married. Literally, that probably happens a hundred times a day at the top. Literally no one gave a shit. So It's like, it's speaking of the steps in Rocky, it's like how every single day there's going to be, you know, 600 people running up those steps. I was almost in a line. Like, because there's a Sylvester Stallone (laughs) Rocky statue that was on the top of the stairs and they moved to the bottom. So like, I got my photo taken in front of that. But like literally before, like I went down to do it, there were like five other people were doing it at the same time. So then I was kind of like, I was, I was with Jen, the right one that time. And like I was running up the stairs and she's like, okay, go now. There's nobody in the shop. So because then I did it. And of course, you know, because yeah, exactly. Everyone's doing it. So boats. Yeah. Everyone in 1997 was on the front of boats going, I'm a king of the world. Oh, 
don't remind me of that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have much else to add about it. I think that this is a great ending. I think that it's played like a fairy tale. I did see something interesting that people have. Uh, this isn't one of these things where they're taking it like so seriously, but people have at least thrown out there. It's like, is the ending of Sleepless in Seattle supposed to be real because of the way that like the heart appears in the 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 lights on the building, and the fact that this whole movie is about this fantasy of a fair to remember, and that maybe this is just all in her head. That the people have basically said the ending of the movie could be interpreted as this isn't real. I don't believe that. I actually think the more interesting interpretation of this is that. They meet there and then they're together for, I don't know, six months, a year. And then just they decide to break up and it's another perfectly amicable split. That that's mm. And I wouldn't have thought that because I think coming into this, when we were talking about Pretty Woman last week, my thought was, oh, yeah, definitely Sleepless in Seattle. They're together 30 years later. But now I'm questioning that because no, I don't feel like there's enough substance. To, there's, there's nothing to really base it on. But I, I definitely don't think that there's enough on her side. This is a fantasy. I don't believe that the end of this movie is all in her head. But I believe she's still living in a fantasy world here. I, I mean, I'm on board with the. She listens to the radio, and then she just like I'm the wrong person to ask this, Colin. But like, I mean, seriously, women never change. So, um, she's <laughs> get her away from the radio. Get away from the radio, Meg. Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas, like, I mean, having seen Notting Hill, having seen uh, you've got mail, I'd argue that both of them they stay together. So, I mean, Notting Hill, you sort of see that they stay together. Um, there's kind of a flash forward scene. So there you go. But um, anyway. Um, two really quick well, things before I move into the wrap up. I know we've gone over two and a half, but whatever, this is us. Um, I see the reason, one reason you would have enjoyed Runaway Bride. I'm just looking at the soundtrack, uh, a bit of Hall and Oates on there for Hall you. Hall and Oates. But it's funny because the movie opens with you two and then you have Hall and Oates and then everything else on the soundtrack. I was telling Jamie, I'm like, I cannot stand this soundtrack. This soundtrack is horrible. How did they start off so strong and then just end with such garbage? Because well, again, that's not I... garbage. Garbage isn't in it. Oh, damn. Because that's where I was getting confused with my uh, the uh, my best friend's wedding. Because like, I just always remember that cover of You Say a Little Breath for yeah. You. Wasn't that? That wasn't Cameron Diaz's first movie. I know that was a mask, but that was one of her, like maybe a second that, or third. That was like the one that... that cemented her as she's not just the one hit wonder from the mask just but that was years later too that's the funny thing is that four years gap in between the mask and my best friend's wedding and she really didn't do much of significance in between just quickly uh just bill pullman um we talked about long-standing <laughs> hollywood couples uh i don't know i don't think his wife is a like a hollywood just it's just you google her it's listed as bill pullman's wife uh been married as long as i've been alive tamara herwitz they were married in 1987 so good for them um, and we talk about like the queens of romantic comedies. Well, he was in a movie, which I've not seen, but I remember a friend of mine in high school absolutely loved this movie, but I never watched it while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock, which also has Peter yeah. Gallagher in it. Yeah. I yes. remember that one. You know? So, I mean, has he been in a movie with Julia Roberts? Maybe he's ticked them all off. So, <laughs> you know, what a man. Bill Paxton in a movie with Sandra Bullock. John Cusack was America's Sweethearts. Was Bill Paxton which I did not in the movie see. with Sandra Bullock? Bill Paxton? No. Sandra Bullock was. No, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, Ben in True Lies. Ben, get your, get your movies right. Um, so, uh, this movie has a 70 something, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, which that's more than Pretty Woman. Yeah. Really? Quite a bit more. I mean, I'm not saying this is like, this isn't a bad movie, but. I like this better than Pretty Woman. Uh, I, I like Pretty Woman better than this, sorry. Um, so, yeah, 75%. Uh, 
Uh, the general consensus saying that Sleepless in Seattle is a cute classic with a very light touch, real chemistry between two leads, even when spending the entire movie apart. Um, is there a 146 highest rated romantic comedy of all time on Rotten Tomatoes? Don't want to go through the 145 before it. Um, but it got favorables. I mean, we, we got two Oscar nominations. Uh, it got nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which it lost to The Piano, and Best Original Song, which it lost to uh, Streets of Philadelphia, as we it's mentioned. Cool, yeah. um, Meg Ryan uh, was nominated in American Comedy Awards for Funniest Actress in a Leading Role. Tom Hanks was uh, also... Oh, no, and she also got a Golden Globe. Sorry, I skipped over that. So they both got a Golden Globe nomination for uh, Best Musical or Comedy Actor. Slash Actress. So Tom, Tom Hanks was nominated for two that year. Good mm-hmm. year for Tom Hanks. Um, and in the MTV Movie Awards, it got nominated for... Did we touch on the fact that last week, I think it was Julia Roberts, won the Kids' Choice Award for Pretty Woman? Kids watching... Well, yeah. again, I was like a kid. I watched it. But, but like, Pretty Woman, an R-rated movie? Julia Roberts won a Kids' <laughs> Choice Award? <laughs> Playing a hooker? <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley won a Kids' Choice Award for Showgirl. <laughs> Like, why does that never get talked about? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was uh, was there a musical version of this as well? Apparently, yeah, that's a, so we're we're two for two on musicals. But this was apparently like a very long delayed musical. By the time it came out, it was during COVID, and it, it just there was no way it was ever going to become a hit. Um, this has got a whole. I mean, jump on the Wikipedia article. It's very interesting stuff. So like, a, a lot of this was it was not predicted to be a massive hit. And mm-hmm. box office wise, it it shocked a lot of people. I think uh, did I read that it became the highest grossing romantic comedy box office at the time of all time, uh, at least opening weekend. Um, was initially perceived. And that as an was underdog. fighting with Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park had been out for what, like two weeks at the time, was it, or a week? Couple weeks, yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park had been out for three weeks when this opened. This opened at number two, um, only making ten million dollars less than Jurassic Park in its third week. Oh, Dennis the Menace is an underrated movie. Like that movie. movie. Which, you know, uh, trivia, this is another thing I read. The uh, the guy who was originally attached to direct this movie before Nora Ephron did it, uh, he left this movie to direct Dennis the Menace. Huh. I had a weird thing in the 90s when I watched a lot of um, Walter Matthau movies. I used to love Grumpy Old Grumpy Men. Old men. And yeah. Grumpier Old Men. Great movie. Who's a little kid in Dennis the Menace? He never went on to anything, did he? No, I don't think he did. Uh, um... Hey, Mr. Wilson. That was the uh, George Bush episode of The Simpsons, wasn't it? That they, when he yeah. moved next door to the, oh, such a good episode. Um, but yeah, Boxer, this made a total of 126680000 domestically. No figures for uh, international though. So there you go. Uh, end of the year is number five. Uh, so Jurassic Park, number one. Mrs. Doubtfire, number two. We've done the top two movies of 1993. The Future, there's a movie we need to do. Uh, yeah. The Firm, Slippers in Seattle, Indecent Proposal, In the Line of Fire, The Pelican Brief, Schindler's List, and Cliffhanger. Oh, Free Willy. Can we do Free Willy? Ground, ground Grumpy so, Old Men, 1990. Good year, 1993. Worldwide, this movie made $227 million, so it would have done over $100 million even overseas. Wow, there you uh, go. Um, so uh, I guess on that, I guess our reviews will be one-star reviews again. Um, how is this romantic? No, just no. It insults my understanding of love. One of the worst movies of all time. Do not watch this movie. Let's read this. This is a short one. 
from Wulumama. Sleepless in Seattle? More like sexist in Seattle. What? The entire movie it's is sexist ne- about it. The entire movie is negotiated around awful and archaic gender stereotypes. Women are betrayed as weepy, emotional wrecks, desperate for some romance and magic in their lives. They have no identities otherwise, and if not betrayed as emotional wrecks, are instead betrayed as bitter hags who, in their heart of hearts, deep down want a little of that romance too. Women aren't alone in being stereotyped either. The men in this movie are depicted as gruff but affordable morons who may or may not have the know-how to make juice. The plot is predictable at best and ridiculous at worst. Do not see this movie. What? They are so off base on everything in this movie. Yeah. No. Shut up. What else have you rated, Wulaluma? Um, this is it. Wow. Good for you. Rate, rate other movies, loser. Um, sleepless Felt very in, strongly about it. Sleepless in front of my TV set. Rubbish. Oh, here's a very short one from Linda Brown, 01437. No rant, romance and no comedy. How can it be that When Harry Met Sally is in my top three rom-coms and Sleepless in Seattle is in my bottom three? And both by Nora Ephron. How can one film be so witty and endearing and the other so predictable, unromantic and unfunny? That's it. <laughs> um, I don't know Linda Brown 01437. I have never seen When Harry Met Sally. I'm going to assume in that movie, somebody called Harry meets somebody called Sally. That's, and there's something about an orgasm at a restaurant. And Colin doesn't even know what that is, but he knows what it is. Right? Aren't they no, like? I, I know that. I know that you don't go make a sandwich when the woman's about ready to have one. <laughs> don't get it with mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not. The- <laughs> that's wrong. That's oh. oh I want to take that back. Um, so, what do we have here for plots? So the number one plot keyword for this is radio show. The bottom one is Pontiac Sunbird. What's in Pontiac Sunbird month? Um, it would be Sleepless in Seattle. That's it. Um, Peeling an Apple Month. I'm down. What can we do there? No Time to Die. Oh, no, not doo-doo. Oh, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, The World to Come, and a movie called Apples. I'd assume they would peel one. Apples, the motion picture. Um, city name in title, World Trade Center, Manhattan, New York City. Reference to the Beatles. Um, motorboat snoring. snoring. Oh, eight year old boy month. I'm down. Um, what have we got? Uh, featuring Cobweb, The Boondocks, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and Crimes of the Future. Yeah, not a radio talk show. Would better have Frasier on here. Frasier number one, Good Zodiac job. number two, Heather's, and Sleepless in Seattle. Oh no, Brink Unleashed. I'm offended. <laughs> oh, Walking at Night Month. Um, been waiting for this, featuring The Nun, Venom, Us, and Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. I love there is photograph of One's Mother Month. Oh, what what have we got, Colin? Give us a give us Leapless a in Seattle and the Repair Shop episode Military Compass. Woman driving a car month. Uh, nothing set in the Middle East, probably. Um, uh, uh, oh, Twister. The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Murder Mystery. Cool. And then Lost Backpack Month with oh. only Sleepers in Seattle and the Miscalculation and Consequences. Leaving a Door Open Month. Oh, yes. we've been waiting for that. Sleepless wow. in Seattle, The Salesman, In the Valley of Elah, and Dias Contados. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to buy this movie, Colin Hilding. I enjoyed it. Good for you. It was enjoyable, and I enjoyed it. Um, 
I, I mean, spoiling right now, it's below Pretty Woman. And spoiling right now, this will probably end up at number four of the month just because I love the other two movies so much that we'll follow that we're about to do. But it's still, like, I'm glad we're doing this month now because now I know that all four are buys. So mm. given the shit that we did last month, I know I bought Showgirls, but again, in comparison to what we watched, even you would almost say that was a brilliant movie. Like, last month was terrible. This month has turned out to be quite a good month. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm glad that the two that I haven't seen, I've enjoyed. So, uh, yes. I'm intrigued where you're going to um, rate this, though. I'm I'm definitely buying it. And honestly, I, I think last week I would have been more on the fence. But re-watching this now, like, I think this is a movie that just gets better and better with age. And I've seen it just enough times that I'm still, uh, I, I, I can pick up on new things, but I'm still kind of surprised by it. Uh, I am putting this one above Pretty Woman. Like Ooh. I think this movie is brilliant. This, this, I'm not even joking when I say this could have gotten a Best Picture nomination in any other year. Uh, this maybe should have gotten about what would have been wrong with Tom Hanks getting nominated for both Philadelphia and this in the same year. So yeah, number one for me right now. And just, won't be number one though because maybe it'll change next week. But I mean, next week you've got Mail is the one that I really love. That's what I wanted to do this month for. Uh, just quickly before we talk about that, just um, uh, just going through Twitter here, just some uh, updates here. Uh, so let's get some live reactions to uh, Steve Brett Harwell. Michaels, you saw that one? Uh, who? What? Brett Michaels commented on it. Oh, did he? A tribute to him. Is he poison? Is Brett Michaels poison? <laughs> no? I don't know anything about that, but he... No, isn't he in the band Poison? Like, he's, he's Oh, that... yes, the band Poison. <laughs> I think he was poison. <laughs> Come on, keep with me. I here, always confuse the, I, I always confuse Brett Michaels and then the guy from Motley Crue is a Vince Neil. I'm always, I always think Brett Michaels is the Motley Crue guy and Vince Let, Neil is the other one. Let's backtrack this. Paul McCartney, Beatles. What are you talking about, Beatles? I didn't see that. Was he? <laughs> <laughs> Axel Rose, Guns and Roses. I didn't see roses with guns. What are you talking about? Um, so uh, Spacious at SpazAttack13 tweeted. As a longtime fan of the band Smash Mouth, my heart sank when I found out that Steve Harwell is currently in hospice. That's all he says. Uh, Rachel Grulion at Rachel Grulion 9. NASA team returns to Earth. Hashtag Labor Tag. Day. Hashtag Into Miami. Hashtag Joe Jonas. Hashtag Arsenal. Hashtag Smash. Literally just using all the trending hashtags to get your point that NASA team returns. Well, it worked. Um, this is, where's an English one here? Sadly, Bert's next. Godspeed, Steve Harwell. That's a bit rude. Who's that? Um, hey, can I just comment on Brett Michaels here from Poison, by the way, if from you poison. didn't know. Uh, he, he, he sent out, all my thoughts, prayers, and well wishes are with my friend Steve Harwell. I know you're a fighter. Keep fighting, my brother. But then it says he added, my only additional comment is that we would hope that people would respect Steve and his family's privacy during this difficult time. You're a public figure who is the first person basically commenting on the man almost dying, and you're saying, but let's respect their privacy. <laughs> Nobody else say anything. Well, I got one more to read, but it was funny. It was not funny. This guy's uh, a, a legendary cricketer from Zimbabwe passed away called Heath Streak in the last 24 hours. He obviously was having a bit of a battle with cancer. A week ago, like another famous cricketer was like, oh, I just learned Heath Streak died. That's sad. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Heath Streak died. Heath Streak died. Then all of a sudden, Heath Streak literally comes out and is like, hi, guys. I'm not dead. Uh, <laughs> so then, like, yesterday when Heastrick died, everyone was like, mm, is he? And I was like, that's from his fiance. He's dead. <laughs> Tanya Roberts all over again. Um, so here's one. Yeah. Ben at Ocean Drive, 1983. What a sad news about Steve Harwell, Smash Mouth lead singer. I don't know what I really can say about him. I feel so sad. He was great singer. 
my favourite song from Smash Mouth, <laughs> is All Stars. Steve, I would like to see you alive forever. <laughs> forever? It's like when the world blows up, everyone's dead. There's old the Steve only one left, all lonely? Floating in space? Oh, I'm sad. I'm Steve Hartwell and I'm alive. <laughs> uh, next, uh, 24 in the meantime, listen to that on Monday. But next week, you've got mail. Um, sleepless in yeah. Seattle with computers. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 we'll talk about it more next week. I, I can't remember when I first saw this movie. I didn't see it at the cinemas. I know that. Um, I know there was a reference to it in Friends, but I remember it being a big deal. And it's, I mean, it's dated because it's all about internet chatting and you've got mail and AOL and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's just something about this movie that I think this was maybe the first romantic comedy I ever saw. And I think like, this is what kind of set me on a path where I was like, oh, these aren't just like for women. These are entertaining. And you've got mail is kind of one of those movies that I think every man I've ever said, you've got mail. Like, I think you were not, this is one of those ones that you and I discovered. Oh my God, it's a great movie. Yeah, we should do that. Um, And... I lived on the Upper West Side in New York where this was filmed and I like, you just walk around that neighborhood and you're like, oh my God, I feel like this is, you feel this is, you've got male neighborhood. It's just, oh, it's such a good movie and oh, I don't care if it's dated or not. Bring it on. Yeah, we're doing bring it on too. All oh, right. Cheerleaders. Uh, mm. <laughs> With Eliza Dershku uh, and Kirsten Dunst. This is the whole conversation they have about what is it with guys in The Godfather in You've Got Male. I feel like that is You've Got Male because I don't know how many guys I know that will mention, oh, you've got mail. That's a great movie. But I'm not saying that women don't say the same thing, but it usually ends up being guys are like, I love you've got mail. And the women are like, oh yeah, that one was pretty good. I like Sleepless in Seattle better though. Like you've got mail is in a weird way, the guy's rom-com. And uh, the, the fact Tom Hanks's character, like you want to talk about old school movies. I mean, there's also going to be a lot of similarities about how this was taking an old movie and kind of reinterpreting it. But the way that the dynamic is between Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, like total opposite of this, just this combative relationship they have, I think is half of the fun of the movie. Like they're constantly at each other's throats. Uh, they, they get so much screen time together. Like it's basically similar to what Runaway Bride did. We're going to turn the chemistry from the first movie on its head. They do it so brilliantly. And you just got such an amazing cast in this movie too. Well, Steve Zahn. Oh, I love Steve Zahn. Well, it's... I'm... <sighs> Two breaking news things here, Cole. We talk up the cast of Sleepless in Seattle, and we'll talk up the cast of Notting Hill because there's some random people in that movie, which is fantastic. Let's just go through some of the cast members in this that you may have forgotten are in this movie. You said Steve Zahn, great person. Yeah. Heather Burns, which you might be on who? Miss Congeniality. Oh, the... oh I yeah. had a big crush on. Uh, great film, by the way, Miss Congeniality. There's a rom-com we need to do. Miss Congeniality, great film. Um, do we remember that Dave Chappelle... Is Tom Hanks's buddy? That's right, he is that, yeah. There you go. Now, here's a couple more for you. One that you are going to have no idea who it is because I know you went off ER. Haley Hirsch. Do you know who Haley Hirsch was in ER? No. She was uh, Dr. Green's daughter who, remember at like one point Rachel was oh. like six and then she became a teenager? Yeah. I get that, oh, she became annoying, but... yeah. I had a mad, mad crush on her when I was like a kid. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but she was in like one random episode of Nip Tuck as well. But here's one who I didn't even know was in this movie and I cannot remember in this movie and we're going to make sure we find out. Playing Thanksgiving guest, Rako Aylesworth. Michelle what? is in You've Got Mail. I didn't know oh, that. Oh, this is amazing. Um, And also breaking news from the... <laughs> Colin doesn't know which Ben, uh, girls Ben was hanging out with in New York. So we've mentioned Jen. But at the time of us recording this right now, Casey is watching You've Got Mail 
for the very oh. first time. Now, she sent Let's me... Let's ask her... Give her... She'll be our Billy Garcia next week. Well, funny you say that. She sent me a lot of messages, and the only three that are on my screen right now, uh, she says, it's hard to tell the exact... Because lo- where she lived on the Upper West Side, I didn't live far from her. So she said, it's hard to tell the exact location of that Starbucks, but it looks like the one on the 81st that may still be there. Then she says... I'm obsessed with this movie and I'm only 20 minutes in. How have I never seen this? <laughs> then she says, you should get me on for you, You've Got Mail episode, lol. So Let's maybe, do it. Maybe she did the review with me for um, uh, Drive to Survive. The Formula One, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we will. Maybe we'll see if she's around and we can have some females on this show, our sexist bastards. I mean, a woman on this show and all. What's a woman? Maybe they can tell us about their love for the Godfather next week. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But so there you go. Maybe we'll have a bonus guest with us uh, next week. So that is You've Got Mail. Uh, and then after that, Notting Hill, which I can't wait for you to see Notting Hill. I really hope you like it. It's such a great movie. It's always shocked me that you've never seen Notting Hill. Um, you, you get to hear Ronan Keating. You've got no, when you say nothing at all. Is You've Got Mail the only one that doesn't have a song from it? Uh, what is it You've Got Mail? Um... The well, we'll find out next week. Because the, the <laughs> it might not have been a, the cranberries dreams. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobby Darren splish splash. Yeah. Roy Orbison dream, and this is gonna be our second Roy Orbison. F O X. Um, it's no. Yeah. It's, <laughs> the, so I, again, we'll talk about this in Notting Hill. I'm getting weak. I mean, we'll talk. Sorry, I'm jumping here. I don't want to go. I want to go to bed. But like, um, I don't think it was a really big hit in North America. But there was a huge song from uh, Notting Hill in this part of the world in the UK called. Uh, I don't know if you know who Ronan Keating is, but he had a song. I've heard him. You've got nothing at all. Uh, the smile on your face and the roll. Look it up. You, you might know it. Anyway. I'm sure uh, I'll hear it in the movie in two weeks. You will. Um, get excited. I'm loving this month. Let's do this every year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I vote Miss Congeniality next year. Love Actually. Addicted to Love. Addicted to Love. Love Actually. Because they're all horrible in that movie, but it's still a good movie. Say Anything. So, what's that one? John Cusack. That's the boombox over his head. Movie. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe I've never seen it. Um, in the meantime, like, subscribe, do all the regular things. Um, my name is Ben and H&G. And my name is Colin, and horses, 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 jingle bells, horses, horses. And rest in peace, Steve. (laughs) Smash mouth. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 